Hello, dearest listener, and welcome to the finale of season one of the I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things experience. Yes, you have experienced <laughs> I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things, um, which is now, we're now going to have two sign-offs, so, so Vaughn will very emotionally um, declare to be ending this podcast mm-hmm. at the end, but I will also declare that you have experienced this. Perfect. Um, That's what we need, more sign-offs. Later. We need more sign-offs. Um, we're going to get to the point where the show is all sign-offs. Yeah, all more sign-offs, sign-offs more bits. Two hours. All segments. All bits, all <laughs> sign-offs, all emails, no movies. No movie-related questions, even. Um, I'm Stephen. Who are you? I'm Vaughn. Welcome to the, the finale. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's, 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 it's... Welcome to the finale. Um, so, we've got a lot of, a lot of emails. Um, yes, we and do. And messages to get to. Um, but... First of all, we need to discuss our secret film, which is not a secret because you've read the episode description, so you know what it is. It's um, true, so. and I think it's we haven't been very secretive about it. I think anyone paying attention probably could have no. figured it out. No. But do you want so to talk about how this, this started? Was, this was your idea. Yeah, this stemmed from I wanted to put out a um, April Fool's Day episode just called I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things, where we just talk about the movie Things for the entire episode. <laughs> and, and that was it. I'd not seen the movie Things. All I knew about it was that it was known to be bad and was called Things. Yes. And that Things is a terrible title. Having seen the movie Things... So, you know occasionally when you have a title and you're like, what? And then you watch the thing, you're like, oh yeah, no, that is... That, that is yeah, Absolutely, like, yeah. The, Weirdly, like the movie The Thing, of you hear the title The Thing and you're like The Thing. That's a terrible title. Then you watch it, go yeah no, that, I would call that right, The that Thing. Fits. Yeah, The Thing, The Thing, The Thing fits. Um, here, things. Yes, much like how Slugs is called Slugs for a reason. Things <laughs> is called true. Things it's, for a reason. It's just things. Slugs is full of slugs. Things is full of things. <laughs> I feel like it's fitting for so many reasons, <laughs> which I guess we'll, uh, we'll get into, but. Oh man, yeah. So we had this idea, and then we just kind of forgot about it, I guess. Yeah. And, and yeah. then April Fools passed, and like a couple months later, I was like, "Oh, whoops, we totally forgot to do that. That would have been yeah. fun." I was busy playing the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog, <laughs> that April Fools joke. And then, uh, and then we were talking about doing some kind of finale. I was like, "We should mm. bring that back. Let's do the the things <laughs> for the finale, especially since we don't have too much new stuff to talk about." But this feels like a no, good way and, to you know to support the strike. Watch, watch things. <laughs> watch things from nineteen eighty nine. And promoter. Um, Things from 1989 is a one of the earlier examples of ultra low budget direct to video. Yep. Some dudes making it in their one house. Um, can exploitation. So Canadian exploitation. Um, I think it is one of the very earliest ones of these, and it is really interesting and is legendarily a bad movie and there is a whole community about it there's like a things enthusiast facebook page i had to look at for a while <laughs> i didn't look at um, that that's awesome there have been screenings of it i think it was made a bit more popular because the the what joe bob briggs and we're like that's whatever his name is did did a version like I, the the drive-in guy you know oh, the guy okay. that guy he he covered it at some gotcha. point and brought one notoriety to it. I know I know from following me on Letterboxd that Justin DeClue and Will Sloan have seen this movie projected to an audience. <laughs> Which is crazy. <laughs> Justin DeClue, I think, presumably he hosted it, or this was part of the... the yeah, probably. Drive, whatever. Um, and he was like, yeah, they watched it with an entire audience. And they it does. The credits. I'm like, yeah, you would. You would. It very much seems like the movie that you should be watching with 
as many people as possible that you can yeah. just like experience it as a collective because watching it at like 9 a.m this morning alone on my couch i was just like what, what is going on i i did message you last night saying this one was impenetrable like <laughs> incomprehensible my diet. Oh boy, i had no it? idea i had no idea what's going on um so i've watched this movie twice well arguably watch it twice i would love so, to know why I put it on last night, so I was watching Godzilla Singular Point, and then it, it, it struck about 10-ish, and I was like, i got time to watch a movie and then go to bed. I was really, really tired, um, mostly because it's, it's, it's the first time on record that it's been seven days. This For some people listening, you'd be like, get over it, but seven days in a row of 30-plus degrees Ooh. Celsius. I don't know what that gotcha. is in, in Fahrenheit, I know that's nor do hot. I care. <laughs> um, but seven days in a row in that, and it's not been cooling off at night, and some countries are used to that. Britain is not, and neither is my pasty white constitution. Um, so I have been dying. So sleeping terribly, and also playing too much Starfield, um, <laughs> and sleeping terribly because of all that, um, which I think is good. I think it's good. I think Starfield is good. It took me. Yeah, it seems like you're 12 seems, hour seems still undecided between the people I've seen talking about it if it's <laughs> if it's a good game or not. But I hear often that it don't, doesn't get good until many many hours it's, into it. It's definitely really good. It's just I don't think it's great, and I think mm. people are expecting it to be great, which is weird because Fallout Four exists. Um, they're not expecting a great game. Their last game wasn't very good, and then Fallout Seventy Six was their last game. So you know, people temper your expectations. Um, people like space. Um, yeah, so do I. Um, I like things also. More on that later. Um, so I started watching it at ten o'clock at night. Um, put on the big TV. Put the, oh, the sound yeah. bar on, put the subwoofer, subwoofer on, be like, you know what, I'm going to watch things properly. Let's get the surround sound for things. You know, the same surround sound that I treated everyone to for Guinea Pig 2, <laughs> which that film has been mixed for surround sound and makes it much more terrifying. Oh, really? Dripping, dripping behind you. <laughs> don't yes. think things was mixed Wonderful. for surround sound. No, things was not. <laughs> I don't think it was mixed to begin with. Um, so, started watching things and... I don't know if you're like me, but occasionally you get to that point of tiredness where you just find yourself dripping in and out of awakeness. Oh, absolutely. In a way you can't comprehend. Yep. And your dreams start to meld with the movie. You don't know what you're watching anymore. And it was just this tortured experience of, I keep my eyes open. I'm like, has 10 minutes passed or has 5 minutes passed? Is this still the same film? What's going on? Who are they? And it was just... And, but I'm like, no, I'm, I'm pushing for it. I'm going to watch this damn thing. And at one point, I opened my eyes, and the next movie was playing on Tubi. I didn't realize. I watched the next movie for maybe a quarter of an hour. And awesome. it was Deadbeat Drive. Jack seen it. Deadbeat Driving or De- Deadbeat by something. Uh, was it Deadbeat at Dawn? Is that what it's called? That's it. Dead. I was going to say. I was going to say Deadbeat at Dawn. I yeah, think that's what it's it was, called. It was, yeah, that movie rules. That's a great movie. Yeah, that that movie was just playing. And I watched it for 10 minutes being like, this is even weirder. And then I was like, how much of the movie's left? I should be finished by now. And I was like, oh, I'm 15 minutes into a different movie. <laughs> I will say, whatever whatever transfer exists now of Deadbeat at Dawn looks pretty good. Things does not look good at well, that's all. Why, but I was so, I was dripping in out of awakeness being like, I just need to just get to the end. And I'll watch it again. And I was like, you know what, Log, no rating. It's been done. I, I experienced things. I missed the credit well, at the end that says you've experienced things. That does so explain why you watched it again, but I will say, if you hadn't watched it again, the experience, I think, is about the same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've told it so many times, but um, 
Peter Strickland saying that he fell asleep during a race ahead and it improved the movie because it right. made it woozy, like even woozier yeah, and yeah. cooler. And he's like, yeah. Um, so I, I, I saw that as like a, a, a premiere watch to slip in and out of the movie things as it's happening to you um, was a joy. Did you notice the rest of my watching habits? Because the thing I watched directly after things was, was very purposeful. I did not. Let's see. What did Stephen watch directly after? Because I was reminded things? of I've reminded of a thing several times, and I wanted to rewatch that thing to check if it was an apt comparison. And <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> it's been a while since I've watched. Let me meshes of the afternoon. Yeah, meshes of the afternoon is is the but... things of its time. I was saying that is wow. That is quite a comparison. One of the greatest things ever put on film, in, in my opinion, Mesh in the Afternoon. Just like, I mean, it's great. I should watch it one again. Of the complete masterworks of, of, of cinema. Um, things adjacent. <laughs> things adjacent. Yeah. Interesting. Beguiling. I can't say that I thought of Meshes of the Afternoon while watching Things. I was thinking, uh, it, I mean, there's not much to compare it to. There's a movie called, uh, it's a French movie called Killing Spree. Um, like nobody has seen it, but it's like kind of the similar like what, drink, Stephen's drinking out of a skull goblet. I just, I, I couldn't not comment on that. Sorry. <laughs> um, this movie called Killing Spree um, that I watched that's very similar, like grainy shot on video. Hey, like, send me a link to that because this oh, is yeah. apparently exactly my jam. Um, I, th- I but other than that, like very specific thing, it seemed very like Fulci like to me, just in the like very detached from reality and violent <laughs> violence of it but i'd say even fulci movies make a lot more sense than things does so the second watch having like a basic overview of what was going to happen i was able to pass the movie <laughs> really i, I would like to know to, what happened because i don't i could um, not tell you what the plot of things is it, what the thing you have to it's actually weirdly strangely avant-garde in the way of you need to pay attention to what seem like the completely random um interruptions of news broadcasts so bizarre the where that's where most of the storytelling interesting (laughs) it seems like the to me the news broadcast they just like keep referencing other horror movies like there's just a a lot of like they talk Um, about night of the living dead and stuff erroneously i don't think that romero took that film to court i don't like if that's a story that's real i have not heard it before because yes there was the problem so not the living dead when it came out there was a a rule of the time that the prince had to have a trademark on it the print didn't have a trademark on it which meant that once it was out there it was in the public domain Mm. the movie still made so much money um it was the highest grossing horror film for a long time um but then they couldn't get any republishing rights so you can watch it on the wikipedia page of not living dead you watch not living dead it rules um down the copyright um but as far as I know, um, he's not. He wasn't litigious about that. I think it was more just like, oh damn, and made like right. six more. He's just like I'll just keep um, making more movies to find evidence of court case and good funny things. So that was just hmm. that seemed erroneous to me. So the movie things. Here's an overview. Okay. The movie things is about a dude called Doug has a friend has a brother called Don and they have a friend called Fred who right. at one point spontaneously combusts and then later reappears with a chainsaw. Um, yep. If you're watching the film with subtitles, he reappears. And I, all right, this is when I knew that I was the the leading expert on things, and I'd like seen through things. <laughs> okay. He appears again, and screams with a chainsaw, and I'm like, oh, it's Fred. And the subtitles credit him as Doug the entire time. They say Doug screams. I'm like, movie, 
movie. That is not Doug. <laughs> that is Fred. So I know more about things than the things subtitler knows about things. I so just just so everyone is aware, I purchased this film on DVD. <laughs> I oh, own awesome. I own things. I bought it. I watched from the, it on Tubi, which I bought it from, so right. And it is on Tubi. But when we were talking about doing this, it was like right around the same time as the um, like Severin sale, and they Severin has this movie on DVD, and I was like, I'm just gonna buy things because it'll be a fun thing to own. What a uh, DVD I doesn't have subtitles, <laughs> so I couldn't even. <laughs> Had nothing to turn I, I found on. them kind of mandatory, I'll be honest. <laughs> I mean, very quickly, I was like, oh, this could use subtitles. And then I was like, oh, never mind. Yeah, because the, the, the mix is, is again, there isn't. Um, so, the, the plot of things then. So, Doug wants, wants a baby. I want to, to have my baby. <laughs> the I intro want scene you to is so have weird. my baby. The intro scene, which actually, in retrospect, is a beautiful setup for everything the movie is. Because wow, okay genuinely so you don't know that what you're watching is a dream sequence um but there's a person wearing a mask the so, the, so i had a question is this a mask in the diegesis or is this supposed to be an actual devil's face it doesn't look like a face was, well no but i was like but it's i was like does the movie want me to think oh, this I is actually yeah, the yeah, devil yeah. or is this a shitty costuming and i'm like i don't know <laughs> but the subtitling refers to her as lady with a mask oh, okay so it's definitely a mask as a mask and so he's having this dream and this devil woman this is the only nudity in the film so st- there is nudity and gore in the first five minutes and then very little for the rest of the very movie little, yeah. <laughs> no more nudity and very little more gore <laughs> um, which is hilarious um oh, listener you don't need to watch things just listen to us talk about it um, yeah it's please do watch things. <laughs> i wouldn't say it's, it's mandatory glorious. viewing but it is um, on tubi not, so but, but it, it totally rules i i really really like this movie um so the, the plot that is, and let's see if, if Vaughn gets up with this. So, dude wants to have a baby with his wife. I got that part. And has has this dream about him wanting to impregnate his wife. And the dream lady says, no, I've already got you a baby. And then he wakes up. Well, I would say before he wakes up. Because she, she gives him like a crib oh, thing. Oh, the baby bites him. Right. And he like he's like, oh, coochie coo. And then the baby, like Which a little later. thing comes out and attacks him. And you're like, oh, no. And then he wakes up. Which happens later. So it, it, it is prefacing the deal of the devil has been made. That is true, Dr. Lucas. Deal of the devil. Hi, Lucas. Um, <laughs> it is prefacing there's going to be a dreamlike non-reality to the rest of the movie. Because you don't know it's a dream that wakes up. So you are right. straight away being like, okay, this is just nonsense stuff. Which does actually set you up quite nicely for the rest of the film. And the, the baby is going to come out and attack. So, bam. Already, that opening scene, that's the entire plot of the film. Pretty much. I guess, Literally, I guess you're that, right. that is that is the movie. That is all that happens in the movie happens in that scene, <laughs> which is really quite brilliant. Um, so, I know what you're thinking. The movie started with a title card for things and then some short credits. Don't worry, we've got more of those coming up. Yep, so there is a second again. title card. <laughs> and then it does it again, tells you who made the music. And I like that it and says... it happens banally. It's not, like, it's not like, bam, wake up from dream title card. It's like, it's a bit of waking up, doing really nothing, having a little conversation, <laughs> bam, title card. I like that they extend it too. Like, it separates, like, it's like theme song by Striker 9 or whatever it I is. I love that so much. And then, like, two seconds later, it goes, music by Striker 9. I'm like, well, okay. Oh. <laughs> and there's, like, a gap. You know Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which we mentioned later in this movie, where it's got, like, all those great subtitling gangs at the beginning yeah. over the opening credits? It is like that. It's like music by Strike 9. <laughs> Theme by 
Strike nine. That's <laughs> wonderful. Paul really like, wanted to stretch out be, the runtime. Is it, it going to be something different? And no, it is not. Oh, it's wonderful. And then you get credits again at the end. And with the final card that we've referenced that says, you have just experienced things. And, That's so good. Oh, so true. I said to Vaughn before the recording, we have said that every film should end with Ethan Hawke explaining the film yep, to you. Absolutely. Um, it should also end with, you've just experienced... The movie. the film there. You have yeah. just experienced yeah, yeah, yeah. the whale. That I'd have given that a half, an extra half star. For that. I don't know why that was the first movie that came to mind. No. It's the last movie you experienced. You truly experienced. Yeah. Um, so that's what's happening there. Um, he then goes down to grab some pills out of his his kitchen, um, which is strange because he doesn't. As we know from later, he doesn't usually store things in anywhere but his freezer. Um, but the pills. <laughs> You don't know they are pills. They're like a small ketchup bottle. He pours them into the lid, I guess, and then carries the lid up. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Everyone does things so weirdly in this film. Yeah, it's very off-key. It's, yeah, um, it's so strange. And occasionally there are points where I'm like, well, that seems objectionable. And then it bends around to being like, well, that's just absolutely... So there's a point later where someone complains the beer is tastes like cow shit. I wrote down the exact line because it was so funny to me. <laughs> okay, I'm glad. Um, uh that's the that's the mosquito sandwich bit. <laughs> so much of this movie that's just absolutely brilliant. Um, I've got so many notes; it's hard to find. I'm going to control F cow shit. I can't believe you have so many notes. There you go. This beer tastes like cow shit. It must have come from a well in West Africa. At that point, I go, ugh, movie. And then <laughs> the guy just says, I'll add some pure American water to it. <laughs> just walks over the sink. And I'm like, okay, the joke is on right. the character. The joke is very much on the character. That's actually a very funny joke. That's I was like, oh, West African <laughs> beer. I'm going to put some American water in it. Um, so there you go. Um, the movie. Doug wants to impregnate his wife, Susan. And that impregnation talk is interrupted by two plot points that happen. Um, Don and Fred in a scene that evoked a movie for me. And later I was reading up on this movie, on things. And I went to the Something Awful, which I don't usually go to, but I was looking up plots on to check that I actually understood the plot. <laughs> and I read the um, Something Awful review on it because I wanted to find a plot summary. Because there was one scene in the film that I could not understand. Hence why I watched it five times. <laughs> We'll see if it's the same scene, because it comes out of nowhere. And I'm like, what was that scene? Um, and it didn't mention that scene. And the plot's on Wikipedia, didn't mention the scene. I'm like, what is this scene? What does it mean? Um, so they are driving to Doug's house. What film did it remind you of? I don't think anything specific came to mind, but I'd love to find out what Me you and something thought. awful were both reminded of Manos, The Hands of Fate. Oh, I haven't seen Manos, so... I'm... Oh, not a reference Jesus Christ, for me. You, you need to watch Manos Hands of Fate. A sad production history to that movie, um, but an absolutely brilliant movie if you like to watch Trash. I do, um, so I should I, watch it. Yeah, yeah, Manos Hands of Fate. I watched it with my friend Albert directly after watching the film Monos. <laughs> it's very different. <laughs> yeah. You don't know. You've not seen well, Manos. I, I can only imagine. Monos is <laughs> a very good movie, though. I mean... I had more fun watching Manos. Okay, well, I mean... <laughs> but, but Manos is, yeah, Manos is, is really great. Um, so they are driving to go see um, Doug, and they arrive, and boom, we are interrupted by our first news broadcast, um, which we have two characters doing our news broadcast. Um, 
the most evident. And did you go to read Kodiak's review of this film? Yeah, I sure Good. did. <laughs> yeah. So the most evident is Anne Boleyn playing Anne Boleyn. Not Anne Boleyn, the deceased wife of King Henry VIII. In case no. you thought that's who it Amber- was. I mean, at this point, would you be surprised? I would not. Um, and also a guy called Johnny Scott. They do not share a new studio. It comes between them. No. Nope. It's clearly not a new studio. Um, so why did I mention Kodiak's review? Well, because Amberlynn is a porn star and her bio on Letterboxd is <laughs> something else. Please, please read it directly. Oh, you want me to read the whole thing out right yes, now? Yes, please. Okay. I'm not reading it. Smart. Wait, it's objectifying what? smart. I'm not reading it. You can pull it well. up. <laughs> All right, now now you're making me feel bad for making me read it. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Uh, it's. I'm just gonna. I'll just read the start here. Uh, Amberlynn is a mature yet still sexy porn actress from Newport Beach, California. It continues <laughs> with like exact measurements and Keep everything. Keep going. But... Keep going. <sighs> she was born as Laura Allen and is also known as Amberlynn Lane or Laura Adams with blonde hair and green eyes. She's as attractive as she was at the beginning of her career. She is five feet and seven inches tall with size six and a half feet and weighs only 114 pounds. <laughs> I am not reading the second paragraph of that. Yeah, it gets <laughs> worse. That I is... think Anne Boleyn wrote that. Um... <laughs> that is about all you need. Yeah, that's her actual letterbox. Yeah, that's, that's, that's on that. there. TMDB needs to be stopped, frankly. <laughs> um, absolutely wild. So she is there. And this news story is... The first news story is that there are power cuts, which I was like, oh, that makes sense. There's going to be a power cut. The people arrive at the house, and there is no power cut because the lights are just on. And the lights are just on throughout. Then later in the movie, a lot later, there are power cuts. <laughs> so that's presenting a plot point that doesn't happen for another hour. So there you go. That's a fun one. Um, I love that news report because it cuts from, on that show, they're going to talk to what they refer to as the leader of the Soviet Union. No name given. Right. Give it a timeless feel. They're very timed by referring to Soviet Union. But at the time, I think they thought... It's you know, true. I mean, we would say, like, the leader of insert country. Wouldn't think that a country's name would change. That's true. Um, or that it would entirely change as, 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 a, as an entity. Um, and they're going to talk about George Bush and nuclear war. And they segue from that to local interest stories. <laughs> Yeah, they never talk about the Soviet Union again. Then it's like, oh, a bus hit a hydro pole in uptown New York. So maybe there's going to be some issues with power in this specific it's so neighborhood. Bizarre. Back, back to Gorbachev, I guess. <laughs> what do you think about oh Dr. Lucas and his experiments? <laughs> oh, it's, it's so good. Um, so then they break, break into the place and they have the immortal line... If we have a few of his beer. If we do. If we have a few of his beer. Mm -hmm. The writing is great. And then the movie kind of becomes the Evil Dead for a while. Then they they do reference the Evil Dead. What I think they're talking about is the Evil Dead. Yeah, Um, they they talk about it, but they never mention the the title. They talk about a movie where they find uh, tape in the basement and it starts, starts zombies appearing or whatever. Which I would point out, the movie of Dead doesn't start that way, but I would say that the action of the Evil Dead yeah. does start that way. So I guess it's a, it's a charitable definition, and you know, the things doesn't want to get caught by Big Sam Raimi <laughs> um, and copyrighted. I mean, he is the great and the powerful. After all, I've not seen that movie, um, but and, I mean, you, you could also view it as the characters misremembering the film. So you know, oh, 
True, true. Credit true, to things good. for a very smart, like, <laughs> smart screen. Later, <laughs> this this film is is slacker adjacent. Of exactly. all the things it's adjacent to. This is yeah. slacker meets what if Skinnerink was good meets Manos meets Meshes of the Afternoon. I really didn't know what you meant when you said this is like Skinnerink, but if it was good, and then I watched the movie and I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the lot. Cool. There is a twenty minute stretch where. Nothing comprehensible happens, and it's just just red <laughs> argue, There's like an eighty people scream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, also true. Um, so, oh man, the, 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 every now and then there's just pure gold. So they open up what I presume is the fridge because they're getting beer out of it. Turns out it's the freezer. Why are they getting beer out of the freezer? I don't know. You know, beer, freeze your beer. I mean. In my household, my dad has been known to occasionally freeze beer, and my mum always tells him off for, um, because if you do put beer in the freezer, it will explode. And that's happened before. Um, but as a life hack, to use the parlance of the not young anymore, if you want a cold beer quickly, you put it in the freezer for a bit. But, you know, leave it too long. Bam. Bit of risk reward. It's true. Very fun, I do the same, fun. but I don't do that with beer. I've no, I mean, I don't usually drink beer anyway, but like if I want a cold soda, I'll put it in the freezer for a bit. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't drink. I just I'm not like a beer guy. Nerd. Um, no, not drinking is cool, but not drinking beer is is, is for nuts. Okay. Gotcha. If you don't, if you drink but don't drink beer, it's because you're a nut. Okay. What are you drinking out of your skull goblet? Uh, a Rioja. <laughs> okay. I never said I wasn't a nerd. Uh, all right. You know what? Fair enough. I'll I'll accept that. I implied it. Um. So now you go to get the. What the light again? A few of his beer. A few of, a his, few beer, of his beer. Right. Can we have a few of his beer? They go to have a few of his beer from the freezer, and in the freezer they instead find. I don't even remember. I like this is such a hazy movie already. <laughs> I watched it this morning, and I can't remember what they found they, in the freezer. They find an occult book by Alistair Crowley published in paperback <laughs> and a tape recorder. <laughs> oh, that's right. I the forgot they found that in the fridge. Weirdly. And then, and this one, the movie is genius. He decides to just put his jacket in the freezer. He does put his I jacket guess in the freezer. And he says, I guess that's where they store things here. <laughs> he says, why not? I guess this is storage. <laughs> he just puts his jacket back in. Um, so they, they play the occult tape, which may be the reason why this happens. And then, bam, news report. Plot. And in this news report, we learn that local celebrity Dr. Lucas has been celebrated the worldwide for if you shine ultraviolet light onto thing, you could make it live forever. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Yeah. And then the next scene I watched five times. <laughs> okay, I'm really excited. Um, The torture scene. Oh, God. Which comes out of nowhere. And you only know what it is if you've watched the end of the film when the character returns. Um... It is not reference what's going on. You don't know nope. who is in it. Before it's happened, the characters reference watching TV. You're like, is this on their TV? Are they watching this on TV? Because they watch Groundhog Day Massacre for a bit. You just watch a bit of that. <laughs> they um, do. <laughs> I watched this scene and was like, what? Watched it again and was like, still, what? You've not spent much on the main characters. So you're like, is that Doug? That could be Doug. 
is that I mean the, the characters like d- almost don't exist like you never really know who the characters are <laughs> it's so bizarre like everything's just like like nothing makes sense it feels so like which I can understand watching it again like then you're like oh I can put the pieces together but yeah. <laughs> watching it the first time you're just everything feels so disjointed you're just like what is going on were you as bored by the scene as I was I feel like I was just like at the same register the whole movie of just like complete confusion of just like I don't know what is happening but I was I think at a certain point I was just kind of like I'm just going to accept that this is nonsense yeah I'm going to enjoy this because it's great um so have you worked out the scene is now I don't think I have so this is this is just showing you Dr. Lucas doing all his experiments um because he then appears again at the end of the movie um so this is this is showing to you that Dr. Lucas is a bad guy that experiments on women to do to do bad things which makes perfect sense when you barely know who Dr. Lucas is exactly but it's I think in plot structure, they think, because the news reporter said Dr. Lucas, they cut to Dr. Lucas right. doing that. Just put that it together supposed yourself. to do that. <laughs> but you wouldn't. And it's only when he appears at the end for some social time. His words, not mine, a social call. And they're like, oh, you're the guy from early in the movie that just tortured a man for no reason. Um, because orderlies come to the house and walk past a few severed heads and like bump them to take people out the stretcher. So clearly they're used to macabre experiments. It's so he's bizarre. just torturing a guy. But for me, it's, this is important because later in the movie, Dr. Lucas tries to gaslight our main character because our main character is like, who it turns out is Don, is the main character in Dark. Don is like, there were things and, and worms and killers and, and that's why Susan's dead and that's why Fred is dead and that's why Doug <laughs> is dead because of this, this and this. And Lucas is like, you're making it all up. And you'd be like, oh, you're right, Dr. Lucas. Be like, no, Dr. Lucas, I saw you an hour earlier. You do bad things. You're a wrong one. So there you go. It's important for the viewer to know that Dr. Lucas Very is a important. bad one. Yeah. For all the people that can put it together <laughs> while the movie's <laughs> happening, I guess. <laughs> like, it's, it's completely incomprehensible. Um, but but it's great. So Doug then walks up and says, turn off the occult tape because Susan is sleeping. That's great. Um, and then there's a... There are so many films that have like beautiful music moments that, that complete them. And music can really elevate... <laughs> A film. The music in, um, this in the movie background. Is wild. The music is so good. The, the the movie then just like spins out of control, and there's this song that keeps being like in a tailspin. Yeah, <laughs> got yourself in a tailspin, and it is the most. You know the scene in the Big Lebowski where he like transcends and he flies around the yeah. city for a while that they do in GTA Five for some reason. It's like that. You know, like I am just I am on a different plane of existence. This movie is just happening to me. Um, yeah, it is. I, I mean, I feel like this is the case for a lot of like this particular brand of like weird schlock where like the movie is just like incomprehensible but there's still somehow like the most banger score you've ever heard and like this movie is like i don't know what's happening but i can vibe with the music <laughs> the thing that kept going to my head was the what has shown to be one of the most perfect lines of cinema from a really recent film of knives out of the Compels me though. I was right. like, I was like, mm, compels me though. Like, this makes no sense at all. Compels me. Though. I don't know what's going on. Compels me though. Absolutely. What is that? Compels me though. So that was, <laughs> I was Benoit Blanc compelled the entire way for this film, um, which I just thought was wonderful. This is the scene where it's the the beer tastes like cow shit. Someone <laughs> put some pure American water in it. Also, the reveal there's been a dog in the house the entire time. 
just a dog just why not i mean yeah, yeah anything can happen in this tiny house there's like no discernible structure to the house it's just kind of like a bunch of rooms mushed together <laughs> like on all houses a bunch of rooms mushed together well yes that's that's a good point but it's I mean, very much like, there's houses. there's not a good sense of space in any way no no which is why it's like skinamarink um, it's true or like the shining yes <laughs> this is just like the shining <laughs> So, a really fun bit is they watch um, Grandma Day Massacre, which apparently is a hard film to watch, so it's pretty cool you can watch a bit of it in this. Um, and the characters insult how cheap the movie is and how it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really Very fun. Self-aware, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, and then they decide to watch porn together. Um, they sure do. They just kind of start flipping yeah. through the channels and they're like, all right, let's... <laughs> Let's just watch this. But then Doug interrupts to say, I should make you a sandwich. So Sarah is just like being left dying at this point. Like heavily, heavily <laughs> pregnant. Um, just just dying. Because she's already had the baby. But the baby's coming later. Um, and he decides to make them sandwiches. And this is when he just says that he only has old bread either th- three days or three months old. <laughs> Like, you don't yeah, know dude, how old your you bread is. You use your freezer for storage. That's why you have no food in your house because you're putting your occult books in your freezer. Not everything's going off. That's not what the freezer is jackets. for. <laughs> yeah, it's just all of your appliances are full of your stuff. Um, so he makes some sandwiches. The guy that hates beer asks for more beer, which is amusing again. And they accuse Fred of being so lazy and ask if he's read the Lazy Guy's Guide to Living. <laughs> Well, you gotta have a, you gotta have a beer to wash down your sandwich, Stephen. <laughs> you do, and then it becomes a prank movie for a second. <laughs> the whole movie feels like a prank. Doug burps and farts for a bit. Um, Don goes away to bring beer because the oh, the other two want beer. Don, I don't think wants a beer, but is made to get the beer. <laughs> <laughs> Which genius! And while he does that. Doug decides to take a bug that isn't quite dead and put it in Don's sandwich. Right, of course. That then it's Don funny, will funny eat. Funny if he eats a bug. And as as he goes to eat the sandwich, a mosquito bites him, which I thought was a mosquito flying out. And it different, also bites him through bug. his. It also bites him through his jacket, which is very impressive. Um, so that's a strong a, a mosquito. Very, it is, which is probably why he reacted so badly to it. <laughs> And then he eats the sandwich and says how good it is. I will not stop saying how good the sandwich is. <laughs> there is even a crunch sound effect. And Doug's like, yeah, I don't scrimp on sandwiches. I make them good. This is a really funny prank. My next note just says, who was the person in the torture scene? Was that a thing they were trying to do? So occasionally I just like remember myself and just go, <laughs> like, wait what a minute. was that scene about? <laughs> wait a minute. No. They then remember Susan is sick, which is, which is, which is fun. So... Um, they kill the dog to show that it's serious. And right. then we learn about George Romero. <laughs> and then we learn about Dr. Lucas. And then the baby is born. And what happens? Boy, the baby's disgusting. <laughs> it's, it's like <laughs> the baby is... It's the things. 
<laughs> the baby is the thing. They come out, they attack. And in order to pass this, and I felt a kinship to this character. Because okay. you know that I speak through, this reminds me of this, this reminds me of this. Of it's course. my primary way of, of, of speaking. The character just says, I wrote a sci-fi novel about this once and just tells the entire plot. It's, I don't think you've read any, any Kurt Vonnegut, um, but Kurt Vonnegut has a character called Kilgore Trout in his books that just that is a sci-fi novelist and he in loads of his books are just here's the premise for Kilgore Trout books is because sci-fi premises are really really fun yeah writing the whole book sucks right and it's just like <laughs> Kurt Vonnegut is full of just like this one minute like better than Black Mirror like esque being like here's a wild thing and it just puts like that this is the Kilgore Trout right. like this is book where this happens and you're like that wouldn't work in the entire book but that's five sentences that's it's a really good premise cool. yeah um, so there you go um so he does a semi-seemingly improvised story about a book that he'd read and then Doug tells him off for bringing up a book at a time like this because <laughs> Susan is dead. And there's disgusting bugs everywhere. And the power Whatever they out. are. I don't even know what you call the these things. Things. The things. And the phone is, the, the phone is out and the power is out because earlier, I guess. <laughs> because and then someone crashed into a hydro pole. They might get attacked by bears or rattlesnakes because <laughs> the place is called Grizzly Flats, so I guess there are bears. <laughs> There'd be bears anywhere. Why not? <laughs> it's Grizzly for a reason, and that's I think that's where Kodiak is from. Um, oh, that makes perfect sense. Kodiak bear, Grizzly bear. There you go. Um, so they decide they should walk to Doctor Lucas's and then phone the cops. So they decide they they know that Lucas is to blame that he has done experiments on Susan and killed her and unleashed hell. So what they should do is they Just should go, go to his go house, talk to Dr. him Lucas. and then phone the police. There's no phone in their house, I guess. <laughs> no, they say that. The phone's gone out because oh, that's of the right. hydro thing. Oh, the hydro pole. There's no phone. <laughs> and then we got to the news. <laughs> and the news says, new information, the characters called Don and Fred have been missing for 14 days and in my head I'm like is this news happening 14 days it after the movie doesn't make any sense it does make sense oh I'm sorry Later. right but watching it linearly it doesn't make any sense <laughs> not at all so do you remember how it solves the mystery that sorry I'm so amused with this film do you remember how it solves the mystery of their disappearance no, because I'm because again it, watching it, it just says... linearly, it's like impossible to put anything together. So the reason they were missing is because they were traveling to Doug's house. That apparently took them fourteen it days. Took them two weeks to get they to his house. Of the, of the grid, because when the news story says that we found them, and they were surprised there was an international manhunt for them. <laughs> international And they were going manhunt. to visit family. <laughs> For two dudes going to visit their friend. <laughs> Happens all Which the time. It's fun because you are watching it being like, oh god, that means they must die. So it, that is a fun thing if you think that's, if it was a better movie, it would work a lot better. But <laughs> well, it, a lot of it things feels work. like you're like, oh, you know, classic horror thing of it starts at the end being like, and there's right. no one left alive. And you watch it happen. You feel it's doing that thing, but like, oh no, those two don't make it. They're still missing. Oh no, Blair Witch. Oh no. But it's like, no, nah, that was actually a while ago. <laughs> this is present day. Makes no sense. <laughs> oh. Compels me though. Compels me though. It is compelling. Um, at this point, Fred stops making the film. <laughs> <laughs> it 
does. It just kind of picks up and drops people. <laughs> Do you remember why it says Fred's not there anymore? It doesn't say. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen This Is Spinal Tap? No, I haven't. Really? I know. Another one that I'm just oh, like, missing. God. There's a thing. Oh, man. This Is Spinal Tap, one of my most quoted films of all time. Um, there's a bit in This Is Spinal Tap they discuss one of their drummers. There's one that goes, there's a bizarre gardening incident. Um, the police actually, they said, just, just, would you don't want to know don't ask nothing just just all i'm gonna say and another one just spontaneously combusted and it turns out there's a very very small chance that you can just spontaneously combust and then spinal tap they riff on that for a while the whole society around it um this movie much like spinal tap they theorize thread has just spontaneously combusted. Sure. <laughs> why not <laughs> he's gone is he dead from the film no he returns 20 minutes later with a chainsaw but at this point he is gone yeah, it's beautiful. Why not? Disappears. Disappears. Um, oh god. Um, everyone alive in this house knows there ain't no beers. It's a fun line to say <laughs> when two of your when two of your friends are dead. <laughs> well, yeah, they don't know anything. <laughs> they just like they don't. They, they died thinking there house. were still beers in this house. <laughs> there ain't no beers. <laughs> At one point, he says to he says to Doug, "You never told me you were a kindergarten artist," which I think is calling out the <laughs> the production design because it's full of children's drawings in the house. When a major plot point is they don't have a child. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I think Doug's just doing that. It's very meta film, yeah. Just... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, oh, it's so good. Um, one of the things. So they just walk around with torches for a while and it goes full skin and running and nothing really happens. And then one of the yeah, things jumps on... The whole sequence on... is so strange. It's, it's really... It's, it, again, compels me. So Fred dies, no one cares. Um, one of the things jumps on the back of Doug. Yep. So what does Don do? He hits him in the head. <laughs> Kills him with a hammer. <laughs> just murders him. Just, yep, he hits him with the head with a hammer and then he's like, oh no, I killed you. <laughs> He's like, and then you, and then he just fat shames him for a while, which he does repeatedly. He gets me. I could have been like, oh, I got such a fat fucking brother. I can't believe I had to carry you a corpse around. Yeah, it's, so, it's just like, what is going on? And I just—is <laughs> this when he drills out of anger? Does he drill out of anger later? I think he drills when he dies the second time. Yeah, I think that happens later. Yeah, but this is That's yeah, a beautiful this is... scene. Beautiful scene. He then goes to fiddle with the electricity for a while because of the earlier plot point. Right. And kills some of the things. And then, oh, Doug's not dead. Doug is back. Nope, he's back and with the chainsaw. Joke about being hammered. No, Fred is back with the chainsaw. Doug is back. Oh. Doug gets his fingers bitten off by one of the things. Oh, that's right. Which was foreshadowed earlier. Yeah, it sure was. And then, in the best scene of the film, in fact, one of the best scenes of any film. Wow. The cauterizing the wound scene. That's his. Absolutely incredible. He's just holding Please up his, tell his, me about it. He's holding up his bloody stump of a hand and he's like, "Well, it looks like we're going to have to cauterize the wound." So he has like a rolled up piece of paper that he sets on fire and then he just holds it up to his hand. He holds it in the prop, which is something flammable and like his wood and slightly sets yeah. a light for him. So that his hand is also on fire. And he's not even and like, he's... he's not even really in pain. He's just kind of like, oh, that really hurts. Like it, well, he's no, not... because his brother says, this is going to hurt me a lot more than it hurts you. And it's like, <laughs> right? it it's seems like, like it. The music is amazing. This song being like, "Let's do this together." It's like this wonderful love song in the background. It's just so good. It's absolutely brilliant. It just cauterizes the wound, and then he dies again. 
<laughs> I'm glad we spent a lot of time fixing that wound, but... And when he dies, as soon as he's dead, Don says, I can't let the creatures eat you alive. <laughs> great dialogue. Definitely, dialogue's amazing. Definitely, definitely, there's, definitely, there's a chance of that, Don. No. I, think, I think you're fine. Don, I think you're okay. I think you're okay. Oh, luckily... The musician Fred again is playing in these parts because it's Fred again. Fred nice. is back from having previously combusted. Well, so they thought. Now so he's back. Thought. Now chainsaw time. Yeah, chainsaw time. Bam, bam, bam. Oh, this is after he drills with anger into a wall for a bit with passion. It's <laughs> just, just so great. It's like nah, just drilling a wall like it's the driller killer. So um, this is this is when there's suddenly like a hundred things just crawling yeah. all over the house because they want to have like a things massacre. So they got it's the like chainsaw slugs, and they just desk. they just go crazy on the things and it's uh they do. it's quite a sight to behold. At one point. Don says, the blood in this place is unbelievable. I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of blood. It's true, he does say that. Yeah, I'm like, yeah I, I agree. Um, news stories about international manhunts. Um, they find Susan. They go, they ate Susan. They ate her to the skull, which is such a great thing <laughs> yeah. to say. They ate her to the skull. Oh. oh. And we find Doug's fingers. So the thing didn't eat Doug's fingers. It just ripped them off and left just them. Just ripped them off, yeah. Yeah. No, no clear Lucas motivation appears. for the things They're just kind of no. there Well Dr. Lucas' motivation He appears, says he's for a social visit For Susan <laughs> And tries to convince them it's all a dream Yeah because when then when Dr. Lucas shows up And they're walking around the house And he's like I'm telling you here's what happened But nothing's in the house, all the things are gone And he's just like you must have done all this You must have killed everyone, there's blood everywhere There's no evidence but of things what do we know Vaughn, what do we know <laughs> We know it's Dr. Lucas's fault now. We, now we, we can look back. Right? <laughs> when you watch the movie the second time, you know <laughs> the right. first scene of the first scene of First Cow, which you yeah. watch it, and because you don't really have the colours of the movie, you go, that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. And then when you watch it again, you go, Oh, that meant that, and that's really beautiful. Things is like that, basically. And yes. you watch it through a second time, you go, There's beauty in this. Well, we'll find out. I'll have to watch it a second time. I it's guess. better than Tenet. Wow, that's a bold claim. I don't know if I would go so far as to say that, but I'm a big Tenet nice, fan. But I, so. I, I, I like that. I like that you're slightly, slightly considering it though. <laughs> There's it shows the, that we it, think we it com- think Stephen, it compels things. me. <laughs> it's a compelling movie. Um, you know, I am higher on this film than both Jack and Matt. I expected <laughs> to go into this being like this movie's grim, but this movie is fun. I, I was expecting you. terrible things as well. I was like, I'm going to hate this, but then I was like, this is nonsense, and it is absolutely garbage but i am having a great time even though it's nonsense i'm gonna watch this several times this is a movie that i will, I will return to appearing at steven's next gore fest things 1989 i, I mean yeah i mean I, I, I thought that at several points <laughs> oh, this is this is just i oh, need man. to watch some people i need to quote lines from this and get t-shirts <laughs> uh, and then the immortal you have just experienced things you have just oh. experienced things and I turned to Emma, who was upstairs at this point, and I was like, "You know what? I have. <laughs> I have just experienced things." It is very, it is, it is very fitting to cap off the end of that movie, which is, yeah, absolutely wild. I'm glad that you, you managed it. I mean, I did, I did enjoy it. It is, it is. It's pretty good, isn't it? It's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know if I would say really good, but <laughs> for what it is, I think it is. You're right. It is really good. It's, it's. 
it's exactly what I want it to be. It's just random people yeah. making something that that barely makes sense, but is so trying to make sense in some daring yeah. like avant like, god ways. It's like this you are not gifted filmmakers right. or actors. <laughs> but good job. Good job, team. Yeah, like and I it actually does make me want to rewatch it that you rewatched it and actually were able to make some kind of sense of it. Because to me I was like and I think it was specifically that scene where the characters are watching TV and just kind of flipping through the channels. I was like, that's kind of yeah. what the experience of this movie yes. is. It just feels like you're just kind of like at 3 a.m. watching some like cursed TV and you just keep flipping through and then you flip to the news and there's some disjointed segment about something that you don't yeah. understand. And then you flip back and something like random is happening. Like the Solid 4 Guns to the Pictures. Just like that. Yeah. For those that played that, that starts with you can change channels to go through lots of like live action video they've made. It's really oh, cool. Cool. But yeah, that's 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 how it feels. It feels like a either flipping through channels late at night and you're kind of like half asleep and you don't know what's going on, slash also it's like a dusty VHS that you found in a creepy basement. <laughs> it's a lot of things. Everyone's weirdly overdubbed. Yeah. It has like loads of reverb. It's oh, just, it's just awesome. bizarre. But it is, really it is a very it. fun watch. I can't, I can't say that I hated watching it or anything. Yeah. And, you know, made me very excited to be a father from all the, all the yeah. real things. <laughs> that was, well. I mean, it's, it turns out that it's not as bad as I, I had thought. But when we were yeah, talking was... about it, I read the synopsis, which I'll, let me read the synopsis. And also, I'll, <laughs> yeah, no, I'll same. Read and I was like, oh, maybe not. I'll read, so the tagline, conceived by a lunatic hatched within a human womb. <laughs> and then the synopsis. An impotent husband with a fanatical desire to father children forces his wife to undergo a dangerous experiment. This results in the birth of a multitude of monstrous things. And I read that when we were talking about doing this, and I was like, maybe this isn't the best like finale sign-off. And I he was like, that no, it's ex- perfect. Extra textation of you kind of need to know that to watch the film, because you would not really put that up for the film. Right, the film but is, then I'm watching it, and I'm like, yeah, this good. is not, there's nothing here that- you can't put it together in a way that like, like, really fits those. I guess that's what the film is about. I guess it is about that. Yeah, I'm like, I guess did, it is. did those things happen? Kind of? Okay. Yeah. I read the plot summary and I was like, I, get that. I guess that did happen in that scene. Sure. I got out of it, but yeah. In a very, very broad sense, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, things. That Two is, thumbs up. That is things, yeah. It's so definitely don't have to watch it but it is on Tubi and it's 85 minutes so if you want to this is a not not Tubi this is a Tubi there you go yep because that's a is that a thing we do it's my scale Tubi or not Tubi okay Tubi fair enough there you go so that's Tubi the greatest streaming service ever that is thinking of spoiling things we finally did it this is like the full circle Right, like things itself. Great movie. Do you have anything else before we get to emails? I don't, I don't think that we do, but I just in case you wanted the. To... I'd like to recommend the film Meshes of the Afternoon if you like okay. things. Um... <laughs> okay, now we're throwing in recommendations. I recommend. Well, okay, I can make sure what year it is because I think there's two movies called uh, Killing Spree. I, this is probably not the best recommendation. It's 1984. It's a French movie. Watch Killing Spree. I think it's on YouTube. Yeah. I'll have to find it. Yeah, and watch Woodshift Massacre. Oh, it's a great, it's a great, great, great yeah. shout as well. Yeah. yeah, everyone should watch Woodchipper Massacre. But most of all, watch things. Watch and things. 
easier to watch it now, now that I've taken you beat by beat through things. You'll be, you'll be more attuned <laughs> to enjoy things. It's true. You should get it spoiled first and then watch things. Yeah, yeah that's the, the best way to watch order. things. Yeah. It's like when I was teaching Shakespeare in a past life. Of, <laughs> right. You'd have to tell students of being like, the thing to do is read what happens and then watch it mm. because the plot isn't important. It's the expression of the plot that matters. Yeah, and things is true. like that. It's just like that. Yeah. Maybe you can teach things and your next <laughs> next oh. time you go teach. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd love to. I'd I don't know what to. class would encompass things, but... Um, so all right, things. well, we have a lot to get through here. Yes. Do you want to get to our, our large, large bundle of listener mail? Hell yes. Excited about this. Let's go. Yes, we have we have a lot to get through and a lot of long answers, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a really good time. There's some good. great questions in here. Excellent. So, first email from loyal listener Lorkin back once again. Yes. Hi, Lorcan, Stephen. Watch things. I don't know if you'll like it. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's <good>. Recommended. <laughs> um, I really miss like your podcast. the afternoon, Lorcan. Did you like it? I bet Meshes you do. I can't wait to watch Mission to the Afternoon later and compare it to things. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> All right. Lorcan's email reads, I will really miss your podcast. I thought it was great. I became a loyal listener as soon as I discovered it, and over time it became the only movie podcast that did reviews of contemporary films that I listened to. Thank you very much. Yes. Best of luck to both of you as you move on to greater things. Thanks for the hard work you put into the shows every fortnight. They were always a really fun listen. I discovered... Cool. To be fair. Hmm? That's Vaughn that puts the hard work in. <laughs> I discovered the show last summer through a YouTube video about the Letterboxd Top 250 Movies list. This list has actually changed in the meantime through a new way yeah. of weighting films' ratings, and many of the more obscure titles have fallen off. I mention this because it reminds me of why I wanted to reach out to you in the first place anyway. I basically mm. just wanted to share the reflection. Isn't being a cinephile kind of a strange hobby? What are we looking for with our to-watch lists and, our, and the quest-like nature of the whole thing? During the year, Eva Green was in court defending herself against a breach of contract when she refused to act in, quote-unquote, the shitty version of a film she'd signed on to to make it a higher budget level. She said that, good films are my religion. Do you feel the same as Eva <gasps> Green? For myself, I think I do. I'll continue on, but I'm curious what your answer is, is to that. Is Eva Green familiar with the PS3 video game Haze? Oh my god, how did you, like... <laughs> Most on-brand response from Stephen. Oh my god, who did the song? I want to say the band. I want to say it was Limp Biscuit. Maybe it wasn't Limp Biscuit. Oh my god, this is a this is a path I was not expecting at all. Hayes <clears throat> song, video game. Corn. <laughs> it's corn. Oh, of course it's corn. That's extremely oh. on-brand. Oh god, this is thanks thanks to the the. Hotspot podcast of Jeff Gersman and co. Back in the day, they used to talk about this quote so often, and it is just stuck in my head. Um, so Jonathan Davis, let's see, if, let's see if I can find the gaming for me is like religion. Gaming so for me my, is like religion. <laughs> gaming for me is a religion. Um, I gotta find the clips. Oh my god! Yeah, here's 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 the quote. <laughs> So they go over to, for the forgotten for a reason video game haze. This is <laughs> no the official of that video quote. Game. Yeah, um, 
the video game haze answers the question of what if we gave you one level of playing as the cool people where they can sit on time and that makes gameplay interesting right and then the rest of the game it turns out actually no you're the rebels in the background they don't have those powers <laughs> oh, <cool. laughs> which narratively is more satisfying because like they're like it's like do you want to be the space fascists that have like the weird drug powers? No, you want to be the mm. rebels fun against that. That would work for a film, maybe. But the video game is like, oh wow, this is just now bad. So they developed a bunch of mechanics that you only use for the beginning and then never. <laughs> never I think you get them back. I can't remember. Okay. I've not played much of Haze, I'll be honest. Um, so here's the quote from Jonathan Davis: "Gaming for me is religion, and Haze is the shit." I had to come over track that could hit up that kind of rush I get from the game, and I think we really rocked it. Wow, that's a, <laughs> so that's that's a bold Eva, claim. I think, I think Eva Green was 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 channeling that. Yeah, no, you're right. Movies me religion, and this movie is shit. <laughs> there you go. But do you, Stephen? Do you agree with that? Are good films your religion? I think shitty movies are at the moment. Um, yeah, to an extent. Yeah, I mean, I, it's there's a really that's really interesting, isn't it? About like the contract yeah. of the collaborative nature of film is often referenced by people like us, but I don't think it's truly like looked into enough what that means. Right. Because you do have a creative stake, and you are part of that, and that film does reflect you, and you are part of making that thing and what it is. And if you're realizing it's going to be terrible, then you have a real stake in that. Yeah, and I think fair. you have the right to be like, actually, I don't want to do this. And I think it's not as simple as the contract thing because the film, this is my this is my past controversial claim. The film only exists when the film exists. Yeah, that's um, fair. When it when it's made, and up until that point, it is potential right. potential film. And you could be you could be very much this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Right. And understand that money complicates that. Of there are legal papers. Um, but I have a lot of respect for them being like, no, this is a, this is this is bad. I don't want to be a part of this. Also, films take so long of your life right. to make. Yeah, there's that there's that Anthony Hopkins quote. He was about how he was saying that his acting in Thor is nothing acting. It was just like there's just right. a, this is a lot of his life just done that. And like Robert Downey Jr. just got a lot of money, but spent all of his life being Iron Man. Clearly, now resents that. Right. Yeah, it's it is an interesting quote, and I think it does make a lot more sense from the production perspective of like i am a person that wants to work on good things i think from yeah my like to a day to kill for <laughs> exactly <laughs> i think like from my perspective as someone watching films like i wouldn't agree with that just because i think it's just as worthwhile to watch things that yes. are quote unquote bad um and often they aren't um like things which i thought was going to be terrible and i kind of enjoyed <laughs> like um, so I wouldn't necessarily agree with it myself, but it is an interesting but quote. Really, there is a religion sense where it's part of the you are seeking out the good, right. you are looking for the good, um, and you want things to be good or to find the good. Um, is I think I mean, I've been thinking a lot about cinephilia recently, obviously because there's nothing like an imminent child to make you think about how you spent your life and what's it going to be. And be like, enough, I, yeah. I, I, I do a lot of my life doing this, and what is the point, etc., etc. And yeah, um, that collectionist mentality there's a question that's later i'm going to refer to it later i think question from brian about like re-watching versus new watching and mm. there is there are times when i realize that i have compulsive behaviors that i overly satiate and yeah i don't know how healthy that is and the wanting to watch everything ever is a part of that and maybe it's damaged my relationship with film i don't know but then i also get satisfaction from that compulsion itself right um, 
So it's a it's it's a weird one. Should I be logging everything? Has logging things changed how I watch films? Mm, definitely. Definitely. Probably negative probably negatively way. But do I find that satisfying? Yeah. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Hey, we interrupt this broadcast to let you know that right there is where Steven's audacity crashed for about 40 minutes until we realized that we had lost a bunch of audio and would have to start the recording over again from where we left off. We now return to the episode in progress 40 minutes later. Uh, we okay. interrupt this. We interrupt this by being. I interrupt me. Um, I had a massive recording meltdown, and we lost like forty minutes of podcast, um, which is really irritating. So we had wonderful answers to to other questions. We will reiterate at the end of the podcast. Um, but if the answer you're hearing doesn't really make sense, it's because it, it cut out partway through. Um, as I was talking about, I think Eva Green in um, Lorcan's wonderful email. So that's where we were. Um, uh, yeah i'm so, not gonna know exactly how it shakes out yeah. until i try and put this together um, but you know shit happens we'll see yeah yeah apologies yeah everything will still be responded to just want to well, come back around to it welcome back welcome back team um welcome back so we were halfway through an email from murph so we're yeah. gonna kind of just we'll start over we'll go through our, our yeah. answers again um so from murph you're another year older therefore closer yes. to death spoilers it's murph you got down on your knees and begged me for an email so you can I make content did. for your anniversary episode. And we absolutely did. So here I am obliging you. In the vein of a similar email I sent to the Stacks anniversary special, here's 11 deep and personal questions from Murph. Number one. Film professor Eric R. Williams stated that there are 11 super genres of fiction-driven film. They are action, crime, fantasy, horror, romance, science fiction, slice of life, sports, thriller, war, and western. If you could only watch one of these genres for the rest of your life, which would you choose? My immediate reaction was horror, but I think realistically, um, slice of life for the revelations into the human experience. Yeah, that's what I went for too. I felt like, and I think I kind of had the same reaction of like I went horror first, but then I was like, I think like, I would, yeah, I would yeah, give you the goal, all the goals. Right. I think I, I think I would get tired of of horror, only horror nonstop. So I went for, I went, I ended yeah. up going for slice of life as well. I think that's that's the real answer. Um, number two of the 11 super genres if you could gain unlimited access to any and every film within one of those genres which would you pick and would it be different from the one you said you'd spend the rest of your life with um yeah i i i think here is when i would like to have access to like all the weird things-esque horror that is out there that is just like the, <laughs> there's the, a lot the, of it the wild backyard stuff but maybe science fiction um, because like the the history of science fiction and film is so interesting, yeah. It's a cool like, what counts as sci-fi and what does not, and is such such wide reaching of how we've tried to translate science fiction onto screen. So maybe that that would be really cool. Was a treasure trove. Yeah, and I think similarly, I, I went going for action. So not the same as my first answer, but I think action has yeah. There's so much great, kind of the same thing as horror. Like there's so much like great like backyard action, but like there's not really any limit to like like low budget horror. I think is like. You get low so budget what, horror that's like so low budget. It's backyard like... action that sounds like something else. That sounds like you're up to some stuff. But... <laughs> not what I'm. Not what I'm. <laughs> but like super low budget horror, like you can only do so much. Not that it can't be great, but I think like the right people doing super low budget action can still be awesome. And there's so much of it that's yeah. just like not accessible at all. So I think having access to just like everything would be would be cool. Yeah. So number three, thinking back over the show so far. What is one take you regret, or at the very least, wish you hadn't doubled down on? 
Um, I think mostly I was on point. Um, almost entirely. I think that my... Though I don't disagree with my overall take on Oppenheimer, I'm not sure if I fully agree with the, the points I made in defence of it. I don't think I articulated mm. myself hugely well on that podcast. Because I think my problem with Oppenheimer is multiple responses. I just think the movie's okay and not great. Mm. And that's quite hard to articulate sometimes because I'm like, yeah, I yeah. get that people don't think that, but every element I'm like, every element is like, it's fine. Um, and that's hard to expand upon, even though that is our role here. Um, and um, I, was, I wasn't I was on the Thor Love and Thunder podcast, but I, I do like that film. <laughs> maybe I don't. I don't know. So maybe 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 that take, I shouldn't agree, but I wasn't I have, there. So I, 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 I have thought about that, that as well, of like, so many people like hate that movie and i just remember seeing it and i was like th- I, I remember it being a a good experience in a his a recent history of yeah. me just being so down on the mcu and still i'm not that up on it or anything but thor stood out to me as like this is fun and there's good stuff here and yeah but i'm like really, if i revisited it would really i feel that way it. but yeah people really hate that movie um but for my answer there's not really any takes I regret, um, but I feel like just because of the timing of recording it, and it had been like a month since I watched it yeah. when we recorded the episode on Nope, <laughs> I really liked that movie, and I wish I had defended it stronger, and, and I didn't have enough to say about it because it had been so long since I watched it. It wasn't fresh in my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's one that I feel like. I just wish I had articulated better how I felt about that movie and that's what fun. I thought it did well, but... But yeah, I don't think I have any like regrets of like, oh, I, no, I think that movie's bad now. But maybe in a few years, because I feel like since it's been yeah. only a couple of years, like I haven't rewatched most of these yet. So maybe in a few years, like I'll watch another a movie that we've covered on the show, and I'd be like, oh, this is not good, or this is great. Maybe I'll love House of Gucci in five years. Probably not. I hope so. <laughs> um, number four, I need to settle a debate with Fru. Do dogs' feet smell like corn chips? Yes, they do. Well, I mean. At least I know that my cat's feet smell like Fritos. Um, Does I don't your cat have dog's feet? No, but it's, you know, still, there's a similarity in, like, toe beans, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't, I, I, I don't, one, I don't know, do feet have a uniform smell? I'm, in cats, they do, <laughs> is my yeah. answer, because it seems to be a, a debated Maybe thing. Right. I, it's not a, not a thing that I'm aware of, this conversation. Um, not a thing that I thought about. Um, recently, my dog's feet smelled of cow poo, because she walked through cow poo, <laughs> and that's all I can really add. Okay, well, there you go. Number five, what is a one out of ten moment in an otherwise ten out of ten film? The tree scene in The Evil Dead. Yeah, which is, I think, maybe the best answer to that question. Yeah. Um, but kind of along the same lines in terms of, I guess, content that is unnecessary and out of place. A movie that I recommended on the podcast a while ago is um, Royal Space Force, The Wings of Hani Amis, uh, which is a phenomenal film with just a completely unnecessary scene in the middle of it that just shouldn't be there. And it's not good. Not good at all. Saturn Tango the same. I think that's that's such a there are many movies that have a bit in it you're like, I wish this wasn't right. this film. Um and, and those are the ones. But yeah, I generally think that Evil Dead is just like perfect mm. and that one scene is just like no. Really drags you out of it, yeah. yeah. Six. 
who's an actor or director or any movie career person that you are surprised hasn't done anything in the MCU yet? Um, I think Timothy Chalamet. Um, I'm surprised. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a joke for us only, but that was my answer when we, uh, in the lost recording, uh, Stephen did not have an answer. <laughs> so You can't prove that. It's true. Um, I can't prove. Well, I can prove it with my audio that I still do it, have. No. Um, Godzilla. You want? You're saying you want Godzilla to be in the MCU? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure. Yeah. That's. I mean. I, okay. It's acceptable, yeah. I guess. I don't know. Jenny Ortega. Hmm. Jenna, but close enough. Yeah. <laughs> no. Her sister. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like who do people talk about a lot that will probably be in the MCU. I mean, the MCU is not going to exist, so it's not it's not actually going to consume people anymore. Yeah. So down with it. There you go. Um, number seven, the protagonist of the last animated children's movie slash TV show you watched has fallen through a portal and wound up in the real world just outside your house. Do you give them safe harbor until they can find a way back home? Well, I was just watching the Godzilla anime series, which is kind of for kids. So, youn from that, yeah, cool. Help me, help me right. solve time travel and help kill Godzilla. I don't think. Hmm. I guess. Uh, does that mean if he came to the real world that he would have time travel powers? He doesn't have those powers anyway. He just oh, know, okay, just a kid. Okay. Uh, the last thing I watched was Mamoru Oshii's Rusei Yatsura Beautiful Dreamer, which was fun to say for a second time mm. today. Mm. Um, really good movie, but yeah, sure, I'd. I'd I'd give Safe Harbor to the protagonist of that. Yeah. Um, also, Lee and or Stitch. Come inside. There you go. It's also a good, good answer. Number eight. If you were body swapped with the other host, oh. how long would it take the people in your life to figure out something is wrong? I think about one second. <laughs> I think I could pass. I think I could pass this one. Really? Yeah. Think you could pass as me? Yeah. I don't think you could. I don't think you could fool my wife. <laughs> I, I think I could. I think she knows you too well at this point. No, I reckon I, reckon I could. I reckon, okay. I, reckon, I reckon I'd be. I'd be very good. I don't think I could fool any any of Stephen's family. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could do that. Yeah, um, well, there you go. so I think probably I very quick. But yeah, I would. In fact, listener, this actually did happen a while ago. What does that mean? This, this happened. This happened. When did we this, happen? this, this This whole podcast, we'd be body swapped. Oh, what? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking did, about? Did you notice? Did you notice in the beginning? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, where was I? Number nine. Which of the big releases this year would have worked better as a musical? Ooh. Um, the Meg 2. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm not wrong. That would be okay. really interesting. I mean, you're um, right. It would be interesting. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I think if we count Asteroid City as a as a big release, yeah, well, I mean, we covered I think it. So sure, that that would that would be really cool, and I think it would work I, as I a agree musical. With that. Um, mm, Oppenheimer to an extent. I would I would like I'd like to see. Okay. Um, I mean, Barbie generally is like a step away from from being a musical. It's, it's so close, and I wish it was more, but that's yeah. not really a good answer. So, yeah. I think that's the the real boring answer. Yeah. Um, but I think really what I'm going to settle on is the Meg Two or Dial of Destiny. 
Okay. Dial of Destiny. <laughs> okay. I'll be better. Here's my here's my very sincere answer of a movie that I think would be better as a musical, and that is Bo is Afraid. Nice. Yeah. That's my yeah. I genuinely yeah. I would think I would like that movie more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If it was a musical. Uh, number ten. Like Last Dance as well. Um, well, that's actually not a bad. Thank you. Number ten. Thank you. Would you rather lose one finger of your choosing or four randomly selected toes? Man, four toes, easy. Fingers are yeah. used all the time for stuff. Toes, I get they're useful standing up, but I'll sit down. <laughs> they nailed it. I would, I would agree. If I have shoes on, I'm not going to notice my toes aren't there. I, I get that, like people are like yeah, but they're really important for balancing and stuff. And I do, I walk on my toes, um, which is a, a sin of mine. Um, <laughs> okay. But, you know, I go with that. Yeah, that's. I, 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 I do my agree. Fingers, I use all my fingers for, for stuff. Yeah, I use them all. I would. I would I would miss any one of my fingers, but I would not. I think I would not miss my toes that much. Also, like if you can get fake digits, which you can, like a prosthetic toe. I don't need to actually like bend and manipulate yeah. my toes no, that much. So, like a fake toe, whatever. I'm sure the fake prosthetics. Should I say fake? Really? I'm sure, prosthetics are actually really, really good. But a prosthetic finger would not be as good as a prosthetic toe. Mm. I get what you're saying. Yeah, that's fair. All right, number eleven. What is a film quote that changed your outlook on life? Do you have an answer for this? Because I do. I do have an answer for this. Of course I do. Oh, nice. I think I wouldn't come prepared with an answer. Is, is it Neo Tokyo is about to explode? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just reading what's on my shirt. <laughs> what changed your life in that you put that shirt on? Good point, I guess. What's you your answer? <laughs> no, you go first. Oh, I'll go first? Okay. So, um, I was... I would have said this is a movie I mentioned earlier, but it's not. It's a movie I'm going to mention later because that section is now lost. <laughs> but um, I went through a lot of a lot of things for this, and I was like, "What actually like changed my outlook on life?" I don't know if something changed my outlook on like life as a whole, but I think this is a good quote that kind of changed my the way I approach films. Um, oh my god, it's Forrest Gump, isn't it? Yes, it's <laughs> exactly it's Forrest Gump, Life which is like not a movie that I mentioned earlier. <laughs> um, but a quote from everyone's favorite F for Fake, which is, "Art is a lie, a lie that makes us realize the truth." Which I think is an awesome quote. That's nice. It's nice. Good one. Yeah. Um, for me. I have read the book, but I watched the movie first, so the quote is in the book, but but I'm going to go for the movie. Um, Oppenheimer. Yeah, Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, one for the Cuckoo's Nest, um, mm. which I've not revisited for a, for a long time, but very personally meaningful to me in terms of my ideology is the scene where McMurphy goes to pick up the massive water fountain, yeah. knowing that he can't, and then when they point out afterwards he just says but at least i tried yeah is was like at that point one of the single most inspiring things of the it's important to do things because it's important to do things um, yeah even if you think or know they won't work to have done the thing is is of, of huge inherent importance um and i found that so resonant i still find that resonant and there are obviously issues with cuckoo's nest in terms of wider things but i think that thing at the heart of it of doing the right thing is inherently valuable um, yeah well, that's a great one so yeah. so so that that movie there's also weirdly 
a line from Robot Chicken Star Wars. Where what? Robot Chicken Star Wars. Just reminded up where they they go across the all the bounty hunters and Bosk there is a Dengar, I forget which, isn't wearing shoes, and one of them just says they are wearing shoes and just says manners are their own reward. That's another <laughs> way of another way of of articulating that thing. Man, if you I could have guessed like a thousand times and would not have landed on robot chicken star wars <laughs> is what you were gonna pull next. Yeah. Manners are their own reward, you know? Wow. I'm going to take a wild guess and say that that's not from Robot Chicken Star Wars and probably originated <laughs> somewhere else. Yeah, I also don't know if I agree with it, but you know. <laughs> so that is the end of Murph's question. Thank you, Murph. He says, stay thinking, spoiler boys, Murph. Thank you very much for those that lovely barrage of questions. Mm. So, to continue on to our next email from our friend Cowie. Yes. Who says, would you rather fight 30 babe-sized Godzillas or one Godzilla-sized babe? I don't want to fight any of them. Um, I don't want to fight babe, so I'm not going to fight babe. Whereas you kind of have to fight Godzilla. Because if you don't fight Godzilla, mm. you're all going to die. So it's going to have to be. And it would be easier to fight small Godzillas. Yeah, babe no, is I think very that's... small. Um, I, so I think, unfortunately, I'm going to have to... In fact, actually, you know what? Fortunately, because it's like a hell of a time, I'm going to find 30 baby-sized Godzillas. Um, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, I think I would have to go with the same thing. A Godzilla-sized pig would just be... What are you going to do? And it's Also, yeah, you wouldn't want to fight Babe. It is a problem, because Babe Babe is clumsy at the best of times, um, mm. so that's not going to go well. But no. I, that's for others to deal with, not for me. That's true. But yeah, I would, I would, I would agree. Thirty babe-sized Godzillas yeah, would be my answer. I love right. you, Godzilla, but you gotta kill you, gotta kill you. <laughs> gotta do it. If yeah. he's in evil Godzilla mode, kind of mm-hmm. depends on what yeah, version true, of Godzilla true. you get. Oh yeah, true. true, true. Uh, an email from Calvin. Spoilers. What are your favorite all-time film endings? Can you spoil them for everyone? Love to the show and what you guys have made, Calvin. Uh, Bojavai, um is the the best ending of any movie mm. ever. Um, spoilers: the room of the night, all night, all night. That Dance. is that is Great. one of the best film endings. I agree. Incredible. Um, and then after some recently, um, a very mm. similar um, ending in ways echoes that. Um, weirdly, we've covered films with the best endings. There's a there's a small film called Zeros and Ones, um, <laughs> and also the film yeah. Things. No, you're you're nailing it. <laughs> those are those are great answers. Um, this I rewatched this last night, and it continues to be maybe the greatest film ending, which is the taking of Pelham one two three. Um, <gasps> Gazuntite, Gazuntite. Yep, just <laughs> the best the best final scene and the best <laughs> final shot of Walter Matthau. <laughs> just yeah, so good, so uh, good. Yeah. Cool. Um, and yep, then it also. Right mentioned well i think this is lost as well but mentioned greg Araki earlier uh, the ending yes. of nowhere is so good yeah. Yeah. one of the another one of the just the best film endings um and then i also have uh the ending of rikio also rules him punching <laughs> the entire wall of the prison down is just so great perfect ending to that movie um so there's a few for you there's some there's some spoiler endings and Akira from your t-shirt reminded me that Akira has it. Oh, that's true. Another great ending. Absolutely boring ending. 
Um, and then, oh yeah, I gotta kind of cycle around because I've got some non-email questions that have come cool. in. So, a question from Bro. Hey, Bro. Congrats to Stephen on becoming a father, and congrats to the both of you for making an exciting podcast with interesting conversations and occasionally some wild episodes. It's been a fun ride, and I can't wait to see when you all come back. Steven, here's the real hard-hitting question. What video games are you going to show to your kid when they get older? So, um, yeah, I thought about this. I have um, hooked up in this room that I'm in now my Super Famicom, um, which I have the only... I have six games for my Super Famicom, and yes, I'm saying Super Famicom for a reason. It is it is a Japanese machine that only plays games mm. in Japanese, and it plays Japanese <laughs> games. I bought it in. Um, oh, that's right. I think you talked about this on the show yeah. before. Um and the games that I have with it, okay, Final Fantasy VI in Japanese, maybe they can learn Japanese quicker than I can, and we can get through <laughs> that finally, because uh, that ain't going well. That learning to block tutorial is much more difficult when I don't know what block is. <laughs> but Super Mario Kart, and, um, oh, that's going to be so fun. What else have I got here? Puzzle Bobble is going to be real fun. Ooh. So there's, I think there is some appeal to starting from the roots and mm, I am, yeah, no, I think so. Because if you if you've played Mario Kart Seven or Eight, even Deluxe, and then you go Super Mario Kart's important, and they're like, this is the boring version. But there is a there is a brilliant, beautiful simplicity to Super Mario Kart that if you yeah, start with that, that. Um, which maybe is like Dog Tooth style um, child abuse. I don't know. Maybe it is <laughs> well, <conditioning> okay <laughs> in, in that way into a false reality. But yeah, Nobby Nobby Boy. Only no, 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 just like, of course no, 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 that's no, no, okay boy. that's the real answer okay. that's but the yeah, real Mario Damacy would be would be fun that's good yeah, um, yeah. but yeah um, I'm, I'm excited to play Super Mario Kart and Puzzle Bowl mm. alright that's a great answer good, some good ones there uh, and then next listen to the Daydreamcast Daydreamcast is great bro from the Daydreamcast great podcast listen to it there you go and then <laughs> a question from Matt <laughs> Dear spoiling things, I was really looking forward. I was really looking forward to your thoughts on Wonka, but it looks like you'll miss it during your off season. Could you spoil it for us now, anyway? Thanks, well, Matt. Well, as we know, Timothy Chalamet is now in the MCU, and it's actually a pre-credits thinger that Wonka is part of the MCU. Oh, okay. Yeah, Wonka's um, joining the Marvel the MCU. chocolate universe. <laughs> there you go. I um, yeah I. That's a great, great thoughts for what's going to happen at the end. The chocolate Specifically cartel, the I know, end. Big. I know the chocolate cartel really stood out to me in the trailer of that guy mentioned the phrase chocolate cartel. And yeah, I, I really think... cannot get over the fact that a movie, ostensibly for children, is going to have to deal with you explaining to the children right. what a cartel is. Um, well, that's going to be really fun. Yeah, you can definitely tell... As we all know from the the other Wonka universe films that we've seen, it's really just it's just about Wonka. Like he's the chocolate guy, right? So yeah. clearly in this film we've got other chocolate manufacturers, and this film is actually going to be not as bright and sunny as you think. It's actually a pretty <gasps> terrifying horror film about Wonka destroying all of the other chocolate manufacturers in horrific Ooh. ways. Is it like a mystery train? Is it the first story? Is you're following, you're following Wonka, and you're like, you think that's the whole movie because you think that's making sense, mm. and then you just jump to another chocolatier, and then you jump to a third chocolatier. Then united by chocolate, but it's actually three different stories of people trying to go up against the chocolate cartel and ultimately lose because you can't beat the chocolate cartel. There you go. 
some so there you go there's that's what's going to happen in wonka it's yeah. actually jim Jarmusch's mystery trip. yeah it's more of like a hangout kind of thing you know okay just presenting chocolate city and what it's really like to be there chocolate city yeah i can't wait now i'm excited or is for, it gonna uh... be like sicario i reckon it's gonna be like sicario <laughs> okay it's a good one or as well cartel based films okay there you go so that's uh there you go that's what's going to happen in wonka matt yeah so and then a question from our friend Jermaine. you've probably uh, gotten this question asking for your final episode of season one but i'm going to ask anyway what was the episode slash movie that you two feel like you got the most out of whether it was a good conversation over your agreements slash disagreements or just the best time recording an episode i think we got more insights out of the film things than anyone's ever got before um you're saying that your answer is the one we're recording right now <laughs> <laughs> um so we really nailed things i think we really really um quintessentially 100%. well i mean that's nice we're going out on a high note i mean i can appreciate yeah, that yeah um i think french dispatch we we completely tore that on an appropriate new one mm. And, and really kind of got into the weeds of why that film really doesn't work. Wow, um, that, we peaked early then. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. been downhill since like episode three. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel that Master Gardener, we hmm. totally saw that for that one was. And eviscerated that. But I also think, and I think you may agree, that After Sun um, is the most reflective and interesting conversation I think we've had on the podcast. Yep, that is that is what I had in my, my notes as my answer, was I think After Sun was, was the episode that... Because there have been plenty of episodes where I feel like we... Like, not to, like, just... I don't know. The, <laughs> but, like, there have definitely been episodes where I feel like we kind of nailed, like, the... Just our thoughts on the film. But I yeah. feel like After Sun, we got so much more out of it beyond just the film itself. Like, it just... That's the one that I felt like I, I remember really coming out of that one. Like we recorded something really great, and then just again like releasing it, I was like, "Yeah, this is this is a special it's, episode." It's I, nice to have a positive one as well, because yeah. I think it is it is easier to give negative criticism because you'd be like, "Well, this is a problem, this right. problem," and you can you can go about it that way, and that is still valuable. But it's to really get good positive criticism is actually very very difficult, and I think you, is, you'll yeah. find that in some episodes of we you, you can get lost words in the this one's just really good, and you end up just listing the things yeah. that are happening into it because i feel like analysis of film usually only happens negatively or when discussing the messaging of a film which is not the only thing right. the film is yeah so there you go that was after some was definitely the a special one and then some questions from cody yes questions for spoiling things one what is one question you always wanted to be asked but never were it's this this is the question. You wanted to be asked about what you were never asked about? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe this finally happened. Wow. That's really exciting. Thank yeah. you, Cody. You've, you've done it. That's it. <laughs> In our hour of That's need. <laughs> um, um, do you have an actual answer? Or an, another answer, I should say? <laughs> <laughs> what, what I, I plan, when I get asked that question. Then I could, then I now you need an answer I, for it, right? Because I've waited this question so much. Um, ooh, it is a, it's a really it's a, it's a really good question, Cody. It's really really good. Um, ah, 
But I don't know. I don't know what I, got... I think because I, I like people are really good at asking questions. I feel mm-hmm. I'm good at answering questions. I don't know if I'm that great at asking questions sometimes. Um, okay. So I like when people just throw us curveballs about stuff. I don't know. Um, maybe more people should ask me questions about video games from 2004 to 2013. Well, they can do that on the stacks. <laughs> because I feel like that seems I've more got, appropriate I've got, there. I've got that down. So you do have that down. Um, my answer is kind of I. It seems like weird as a request, but I, I think probably if this had actually happened, I wouldn't be saying this. But since it didn't happen, I can say it. Is that I wish we had gotten more angry emails. <laughs> like, <laughs> like nobody ever wrote in. Like you guys are completely wrong. This sucks. Oh, actually, you know, you're <laughs> like, right. actually, like I wish we had gotten someone who was just like who really was pissed off about our take on something, but that never happened. Oh, we need to get more inflammatory. It's just when we ever reflect on our takes, they've all been just on point, perfectly prominent. And I exactly. It's a, it's a, you know what? In season two, one episode's gonna be me faking my opinion the whole time. I'm gonna switch when it is. Oh, you want to intentionally get people yeah. angry? Okay. That's not actually my view, and it's got to work out. So now, okay. So this is the the challenge to the viewers is now for whenever season two starts and the entirety of season two, yeah. you have to think about which one of these is Stephen making everything up. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like, it's not as easy as wait a minute, you reviewed some letterbox and gave it like one star mm. and they think it's great. No, I'm gonna follow through. I'm gonna commit to pretending that. Opinion oh, okay. Okay. You never know. Look forward to that in season two. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, question 1.5 from Cody was answer that question, please. And we did. So there you go. <laughs> uh, question two. What is your favorite kaiju? Collectively, you have to choose one. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a curveball your way on this one. Yeah. I think we shouldn't be allowed to pick Godzilla or Gamera. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too easy. I mean, that What's your initial of, thought? That X from Outer Space re-rules, doesn't he? I never saw. I still haven't seen the X from Outer Space, oh, God, really so it can't rules. be our collective pick. Absolutely rules. Um, I've got a few written down, but I'm curious what your initial thoughts are. I mean, Mothra, just absolutely incredible, top tier. Mm. Mothra's a good Ghidorah. pick. I didn't even for some reason I didn't have Mothra on my list. There's just so, there's too much great stuff. Ghidorah is on my list because I think he's. Absolutely great just next where you think there would be arms and i really like that <laughs> okay um, yeah um minya minya's pretty cool <laughs> I, don't, I don't think i can listen i'm a, I'm a minya supporter i don't think i can go with favorite kaiju as a collective answer for the podcast yeah um hmm. Oh. Zigra, Zigra's kind of cool. Zigra's pretty cool. That's Zigra's that's not cool. a. I don't think I I didn't go for enough in my my short list. I didn't have enough um, Gamera foes, but I did go. I think my favorite continues to be Zadus, who is the uh, the enemy in Gamera the Brave. I think okay. his design is just awesome. Um, maybe not number one, but. Feels worth shouting out. Big oh, fan. I'm just like blanking on names of things. All right. Well, um, I'll list what I've got. So I do have King Ghidorah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. I have to, especially since he's always behind me, I got to shout Violante, one of the best. Yes, Violante absolutely rules. Uh, Destoroya, also one of the best. 
Pogasari. I was thinking of Pogasari. Ooh, Pogasari is a good one. Um, also, Iris from Gamera 3. Diamogen. Just... Diamogen absolutely Ooh, rules. Diamogen's pretty cool. Um, and then I also went for Hetera, who is awesome. Hetera is, 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 cool, is cool as hell. Yeah. I didn't um, expect this. This is a tough one. We really got to narrow something just... down here. Steven's furiously flipping through kaiju movies, trying to... I am, I am. That guy's so good. Oh, I mean, Gearon, absolutely. Oh, Gearon. Oh, Gearon's a good one, for sure. Can't go wrong. I do like Manda. Manda's pretty cool. The thing of kaijus is they're mostly really cool. That's um, true. It's, it's tough. It's a tough question, Cody. I think... Ghidorah okay. is the one that we decide. I think Ghidorah is, is the. I think you're right. I think that's got to be the collective collective pick here. That's or Young Gary on Ross. <laughs> Younger is a good one too. <laughs> I do I do love that movie, um, but yeah, I think I think Ghidorah is the the way to go. That's, yeah, because you haven't you haven't seen X Men Space, so you can't pick Gila, but Gila <laughs> absolutely is is the king of. It's true of everything. So this is this is more of a question for you, and I have no idea how to answer this, so I'm probably not going to have much disagreement with you. But <laughs> what is your favorite Gran Turismo car? Again, we can only choose one. Oh, I don't yeah, have a lot of input here. My, I've told you this. My favorite Gran Turismo car is to find my car. So at the moment, I've done that with the Ford Fiesta in the past, but my my wife has a Volkswagen up, so I would like to take a Volkswagen <laughs> up and just do that. I liked when I had a Polo of taking that. Um, but realistically, if I'm not going to make okay. a joke about it, um, okay. I like driving something like an E-Type because um, it's like a, a beautiful, old, lovely car. I'm mm. a bit of a, a frat boy at heart, so a Lamborghini Countach. Feel okay. cool oh, driving yeah, that let's... around um, just for like a cool guy. Um, a Lamborghini Miura is, is a, a lovely, beautiful car as well. I love a I Citroen Dechevaux, a 2CV, um, taking that out onto the track. My dad's favorite car. Beautiful. You can go for the the DS, the DS as well there as well. Um, a lot of beautiful cars out there. This is I why like I left this one up Ford, to Stephen. I like a Ford GT, a GT. Okay, I, GT I know what that is. The sure. The old the old one. That's a that's a, that's oh, okay. a beautiful machine. Um, um, and that car from Two Lane Blacktop. Ooh, that's a great one. That was like GTO, a Chevy. I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's, yeah. Not seen that movie in a while. Um, and the the interceptor from Mad Max. Ooh, ooh, that's another great one. But you gotta you gotta get down to one. You've named like fifty. <laughs> um, I think a two CV. Generally, I think a two CV is like the most like this is a Gran Turismo aspect. Like I'm driving around the Nurburgring okay. in a two CV is real Gran Turismo vibes. I don't know what it is, but I'll agree with Stephen. I'll defer to him on this one because you, you you will know what it looks. Type in two CV. Okay. Stands for Dershavo two, two horsepower. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah, this can be the. Yeah. We'll have King Ghidorah in this car driving around <laughs> the Nurburgring. Like or like a DB5, and I'm like, I'm James Bond, look at me, wee. Awesome, yeah. Okay. Another question. Final question from Cody. <laughs> which of. Oh, wait. Is this which of. Okay. I think this is which of. Okay. They are which trying of, to confuse us. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to figure out the phrasing of this. I think this is referring to our two answers for this question, which is which of those would get more attention in a Magic Mike show? 
<laughs> so they're asking what would get more attention in a strip show a Citron 2CV I think King Ghidorah would take so a lot more attention though someone stripping the panels off a 2CV would be really entertaining <laughs> I would like to see the Magic Mike show for both of them but I, I think it does have to go to King Ghidorah Ghidorah's got his three necks he can move real sexy Ooh, it's true alright so that's all he, I can think of moves, off the top of my head real funny but it's been burning in my mind since that episode. Thank you. I love the show. Thank you, Cody, for writing Since that episode, they've been thinking about what car from Gran Turismo or what kaiju should join the Magic Mike stage show. You know. Great. <laughs> Cody, Great your mind is okay. beautiful. So, a uh, question from Gorgon, who is our friend mm. on the Twin Geeks Discord. What is Hello. your favorite episode of season one? good dead air there we really nailed that that was i was like i'm just gonna leave this going for a minute uh my answer because of the sheer production that went into it yeah <laughs> i i am certainly fond of the rehearsal episodes yeah that is that is some of our finest work that we that we did on the show and that was a real yeah. collaborative effort and you said earlier i don't know if that's even if the, i don't know what's made it in or not in the episode anymore oh i but, forgot that question yes that hasn't um, made it in we'll get that yeah um oh maybe yeah so maybe not but earlier steven said that all the, i did all the work on the show but that's not true, true. um especially the rehearsal episode was a lot of <laughs> a lot of steven <laughs> organizing the uh, the rehearsal side of it one episode and, then... <laughs> and boy was i surprised on that one so that was yeah, that, was that is i think very fondly on the rehearsal episode yeah and then uh okay question from our friend siri contributor to the site hey dear steven and vaughn it was really fun yes. to listen to you both talk about various movies and gearing up for gran turismo and i wish steven the best in this Didn't new phase point. of his life in the spirit of parenthood i am emailing to task you both to give an alternative list to the chris pratt top 10 oh, coming of age films this came from amazing <laughs> question that he said he watched with his nine-year-old son on a camping trip the list is as follows rambo first blood Dumb and Dumber, White Fang, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Rudy, Toy Soldiers, Red Dawn, Bloodsport, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. And I want an alter—I want an alternative film for each of them, including yeah. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, despite how much you love it, that you would watch with your child during camping. And I actually like several of these movies quite a bit. Um, I'm hoping, but you took this in the same spirit that I did, which okay. is. A for each movie an alternative yep. for each movie. That's good, exactly what I did. Good, good. Because it's. I mean, I was tempted to just like list like ten right. great coming of age films, you know, which there are so many brilliant ones out there. And I was like, no, what's more fun is thinking what's moving within that place. So yeah. you name the film, and then I'll name mine. Should we both list? Okay, okay. Yeah. Some of these, I think I nailed some of them. I'm like, I don't know exactly. I nailed all of these apart from the Ooh, last okay. one, which is really hard. Some of these, I also, like, I haven't seen them and I didn't know much about them, so I was kind of taking a, taking a wild guess. But number one, Rambo First Blood. What is your alternative film, Steven? Son of Rambo. Okay. I haven't seen that. I don't know it's it's it. really fun um, and is the perfect choice um, for that really cute, lovely movie for children about making and creating, and it's just a, a wonderful little movie. Ooh, okay. So I went for just kind of similar. I went for, like, some 
80s action. Not quite the same as Rambo, but I went with Police Story. For a nine-year-old? I mean, First Blood for a nine-year-old? Yeah, but I thought we were making this more appropriate. <laughs> I did my best, but... Okay, cool. I don't think... Yeah. Yeah. I've not seen All it. Right, number, Maybe you're right. Number two, Dumb and Dumber. It's really hard. Um, so I went for a kind of like comedy built around two characters together i went for that would work for a nine-year-old and i went for charlie chaplin's the kid oh okay because you know there's a, there is a, like some pratfall stupidity to it but it's also whole wholesome and wonderful and you want to see a great comedy double act there you go Charlie chaplin's the kid beautiful i think i wrote my i think i wrote my list kind of weird so it might be slightly out of order uh, i think this is what i had for my alternative to dumb and dumber um and I will admit that I was kind of like, I don't really know what's like, yeah, <laughs> like movies for like, nine-year-olds. It's tough. Um, but just for, I went for an alternative 90s comedy um, and I went with Clueless. Okay, cool, 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 cool. All right, number three, White Fang. Babe Pignacy. Ooh, good one. I went for Hunt for the Wilder People. <gasps> oh, that's an excellent choice. Okay, yeah. All right, number four, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Do you know what's a better adventure? Wallace and Gromit's A Grand Day Out. Ooh, that's a good one. I went for The Blues Brothers. Again, I don't know if a nine-year-old is going to be... <laughs> probably right. Rocking but... The Blues Brothers. Um, a lot of, you know, they're, they're like, why are Nazis in this so much? And why has this car chase <laughs> gone on for 20 minutes? Like, and I, again, I probably wasn't, was I nine? Probably not. But that was a film that my dad showed me when I was uh, when I was younger yeah. that I have fond memories of. It's a great so film. It's kind of where it... All right, number five, Rudy. What do you got for Rudy? I had to look at what Rudy was. Um, I'd never heard of it. I believe it's a sport movie about yeah. American football. So I'm for Bender like Beckham. Mm, okay. See, it's kind of the same thing. I was like, maybe it's a bit, a little bit too young for that movie, but yeah. Also, <laughs> my answer is not very good for a nine-year-old either, probably. But I was like, sports movie. What's a good inspirational sports movie? Everyone's favorite crab goalkeeper. Uh, okay. <laughs> the Blind Side of its time. Exactly. That's that's exactly how I think of the crab goalkeeper. problematic due to recent new stories. Ugh, crab yeah. goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, I think I think Rudy's maybe also not I'm, the best. I mean, I Red Dawn's on this list, so I'm, I'm, it's true. I believe that these movies are problematic. Um, yeah. Okay. I think we might have the same movie for the next one. Really? You think so? All right. So oh, number six, Toy Soldiers. I take your toy soldiers and I raise you small soldiers. Mm, okay. I don't know anything about toy soldiers and I was surprised looking at it. I was like, what is this? It sounded... I, don't read it. I, I don't read what it was at all. I just saw the title and went, no, small soldiers. Yeah, I don't know much about it, but I went with same thing. Was I nine? Probably not. But another film, like I went with action that my dad showed me when I was younger and I went with The Matrix. Okay, cool. It's no small soldiers, but fine. <laughs> I haven't seen Small Soldiers. Oh, that's good. All right, number what are we at? Uh, number seven, Red Dawn. So this is a film about invasion, about mm -hmm. a a habitat that you thought was safe being taken over, boots mm -hmm. on the ground, a sinister force, and learning about it. I think those messages are all better told in Princess Mononoke. Ooh, that's a 
Very cool suggestion. It's a little I... bit, a little bit on the mature side, mm. but a great one to watch with a nine-year-old, not by themselves. But if you want to watch okay, a, a, a war film that actually mm. deals with war and dehumanizing and what it means to have an enemy, um, I feel like watch film that does it and it's telling the the ostensibly family-friendly film on an okay is way better than um, conservative Milius Crow. Yeah, it's the same thing. I haven't seen Red Dawn, so it was kind of hard to like pull the best comparison point. But as far as like impending doom kind of thing, like apocalyptic, apocalyptic vibes, I went with Miracle Mile from 1988, which is a that is. really, really good movie. You should watch it. Oh, I think okay. you'd love it. But yeah, it's Maybe, great. Well, I'll watch it after Red Dawn, but yeah. Tangerine Dream soundtrack <gasps> rules. Okay. Um... I keep switching back and forth, and I'm forgetting I need to continue. Number eight, Bloodsport. Weird movie to show a nine-year-old, I think. But. Yeah, I've not seen Bloodsport. <laughs> um, so I, I looked up tournament movies on the letterbox list function, mm. which was okay. quite useful, because everyone's <laughs> made lists saying, like, a tournament of blah, blah, blah. So it's just like, which of these oh, movies okay. winning it? So that didn't really work. Um, <laughs> I was going to say the Street Fighter film... <laughs> The Sunny Chiba Street Fighter movie? No. Or the Street Fighter? Oh, okay. I was street, like, what? Street, street, the movie, Street Fighter, the movie. Oh, okay. But in the end, I thought actually this would be fun. I think I know we'll get a kick out of this. So, blood sports from about underground competition about real mm-hmm. blood sports. Yep. You know what the real blood sport is? Oh boy. Competitive Donkey Kong. So I've gone <laughs> for the stunning, brilliant documentary King of Kong: A Fistful okay. of Quarters. The okay. blood sport of its time. Have you, it's have interesting. You, you've, you've seen King of Kong, right? No, I haven't. Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> and, it's yeah, interesting it's... the different directions that we took these like alternatives in. Um... It's like cinema <laughs> once. Oh, what a great movie! Watch, watch King of Kong. You'd love it. All right, I'll check out King of Kong. Um, so I went for Bloodsport's great, and it. it's definitely i would i would probably not appropriate for a nine-year-old but i went for another probably film. Not <laughs> yeah probably Sensible. i went for another film <laughs> went for another film that's Put probably not appropriate for a nine-year-old uh, um, you're like oh i don't know invisible maniac i feel like <laughs> invisible maniac <laughs> we what are nine-year-olds what nine-year-olds um, do nowadays <laughs> things i don't know i felt like Bloodsport. the easy alternative is kickboxer Another John Claude Van Damme tournament. I was going to say movie. Real Steel, but I haven't seen Real Steel. So I didn't pick it. <laughs> but I said, "What's another?" I said, "That's too easy of an answer." What's another great John Claude Van Damme movie? John Woo's Hard Target is the answer. <gasps> oh, I see, if I'd have picked Street Fighter, the movie, we both had Jake and CVD movies. That was my point mm-hmm. of comparison because you know he plays all American Guile um, very convincingly, <laughs> <laughs> as convincingly as Kylie Minogue plays Cammy. But you know, everyone loves JCVD. Mm. All right, number nine, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I wonder if we have the same answer for this one. Probably, if you've actually for once picked something suitable for your nine-year-old. Um, <laughs> and the answer is not the live-action version, but the animated Disney wonderful movie, Mulan. Okay, okay, that's a good... I mean, also, Stephen, the different... <laughs> I feel like you probably have a better frame of reference of, like, I'm going to have a kid that I could probably show these to. I have no frame of reference, so I'm just kind <laughs> so, of, like, going so, for it. You're like, I don't know, once upon a time in China? <laughs> <laughs> like, I have no idea. But, I mean, I feel you're like... like a in touch the... of Zen? <laughs> Kids into Zen? <laughs> I mean, in the same vein, I was like, what's 
another great wuxia film and that is hero you're like good night dragon in i mean <laughs> i don't know about that Not one dragon in you're like no i want no. to watch someone watch the movie I have no frame of reference for what a nine-year-old should be watching, but I went with Hero because it is also yeah, a fantastic Wuxia. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But maybe. should I mean should a nine-year-old be watching Crouching Tiger? They probably would not yeah. get the uh, the great that, nuances that, was, that, that was, movie. Yeah, but. my thought is it's appropriate for a nine-year-old, but don't watch it when you're nine because you'd be like, yeah, you you, you won't get the real. Yeah, stuff. so hopefully no one's actually taking my list as films they should show their nine-year-old because it's oh, I ter- guarantee you it's terrible. Yeah. Um, and then the last one, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. See, the problem is, like, I would, I would pick that. I think that's a, that's a great age to watch that movie, genuinely. Mm. Um, so I went really off, really strange. Oh, here. really so, off? Yeah, it's it's. I've picked a short film about a really important quest that is a timeless classic that I think every child should watch. Okay. Everybody should watch. Okay. So. The quest for the Holy Grail is important, but is right. it as important as the Red Balloon? Oh, okay. I, <laughs> I thought you were going to say the race for the sausage. I, I was tempted by the race <laughs> for the sausage. So Red good. Balloon's a great one. That's a great it's so one. Good. I would. Oh yeah. You know what? I take that back. Race for the sausage. All right. There you go. Watch it yeah. six times in one day, and you'll end yeah. up at a full five stars for it. Red Balloon's also. Um, Red Balloon's so good. Red Balloon is very good. Um, I went with everyone's favorite. Irreverent comedy classic, Airplane, as an alternative to yeah, some, wa- wacky comedy. Some stuff in that film, but yeah, cool. I, I'm, I mean, yeah, I know. Introduce the racism early. You know? I mean, they need to know <laughs> the nine. <laughs> they know. They know by now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. All right. So Great that question. is... What a wild list, Chris Pratt. That is, it is a very wild... I was reading it and I was like, this is a... What a strange collection of films. It's, it's that classic thing of, there is one level to do that. And there's a second level to then tell the whole world that you did that. Right. And that's the more worrying <laughs> very, thing. Very much. Like, yeah, to present that as like a definitive list. And it's such a weird list of like disparate things to be like, this is the 10 coming of age. Look at me, films. guys. I showed my kid Bloodsport. No one cares. Why? Yeah. I don't know. Probably don't use my list at all. Um, but use mine. Use mine. I'm not presenting mine as, a, as an actual list. So, final question presented to us on now. blue sky from steven from steven from brian <laughs> from me from me <laughs> well, it was presented to you yeah. um first question what do you have planned for baby's first lynch i mean well the easiest answer is a razor head to really make them feel bad about being born because um, oh, <laughs> that's what you want um i this is actually a very good question if i'm gonna take this really Seriously. as right sure as opposed to show a lynch film to a baby, which I'm not going to do. Um, right. Then sure. the question becomes, because I am looking forward to hopefully, you know, watching films with child as child grows. Sure. Um, maybe they won't like films, that's fine. Um, but if they do, there are points where you go, and the obvious answer therefore becomes a straight story. But mm. I think the straight story is more interesting to watch knowing like it's a David Lynch film. Mm. Um, and also... The straight just because straight story is appropriate for children, I think children would find it boring. <laughs> and I think mm. when you're actually an adult, um, so I'm not gonna say blue velvet, um, but I think probably either Dune. the Elephant Man or Dune. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> so Dune, because I think there is that era of you want to watch like some kids get into like bad movie stuff. Yeah, um, yeah for sure. And I think I think Dune could be a cool look at this trash. Yeah. Um, and Elephant Man. 
is a really good I'm I think The Elephant Man is a very deep film but it's also a very good I'm young and this is deep film mm, of okay. this is so overtly emotional I remember yeah. when I was teaching of Mice and Men I think that film is okay and that book is okay with great elements that that film has some problems but there's this really there's this kid that I always found so difficult to teach they were, they were the, the bait of my life for a year in my first year of teaching really difficult student and they were watching of Mice and Men and they just sat there like head in the hands just wrapped by it the whole time mm. and they kept being like this is such really good acting because that's that classic you are at the right age to find this right. really like deep and profound in ways that I don't think it actually is so I think Elephant Man is actually Baby's First Lunch okay that's a that's a good really good answer um, and then a second question oh firework me to fuck him up <laughs> um so Brian follows up with, I feel bad just doing a jokey question, even though you got a great answer out of it. So I'll do an actual question. What is your balance of rewatched versus first-time watches? Are there any particular films that you revisit quite frequently? So I watch things twice. Don't know if that counts, but okay. <laughs> when I had more time, I used to rewatch things at the cinema quite frequently. Um, mm. I used to like going to see a film a couple of times. Um and oh, okay. now I don't really like go to cinema. I still go more than most people, but yeah. I feel like I'm wasting my time on seeing something again because I'm like, there is new stuff out. And right, and then you'll be like able a, to watch that home anyway. Releases. Right. Yeah, there's like so many stuff coming out now. That, like the volume of releases has increased because it was that huge COVID like yeah, yeah. bottle stop. Um, as everyone knows, I'm not much of a rewatcher, mm-hmm. and to link back to a conversation earlier. It's that, that compulsive part of me. Um, it's the last thing we have recorded. Um, okay. The, that that compulsive need to watch new things. Every time I'm, I'm like, but there are so many films I haven't seen. And right. When, if I was to rewatch something, I'm like, Stephen, you've not seen a single Claude Chabrol movie yet. Why haven't you seen a Claude Chabrol movie? You'd really like mm. Claude Chabrol. He's like a filmmaker you would like. Why are you rewatching Blah that you've seen before? You could be doing that. And I that. I need to get better at silence that part because when I do revisit films, I've learned that I get a lot out of them. Yeah, for question sure. earlier of that may or may not exist, <laughs> but when I talked about actually it doesn't exist yet, but so watching Gander and Hess several times really brought mm. out and some films do need to be revisited and some of my favourite films are the ones that I've revisited and gotten more out of. I wish I reached stuff more the stuff that I rewatch and do a lot and don't actually log on Letterboxd all the time is I rewatch a lot of short silent movies. Yeah. <laughs> like The Race of the Sausage and Four Troubling Heads because I like to remember that cinema is magic and has to be magic for over 100 years. Yeah, and it's nice and easy to just like, I've got a little bit of time I can rewatch like a yeah. five minute, you know, short that I really love or whatever. I'll watch a bit of something sometimes. Like I'll watch enough to mm. get like a feeling of something. I watched um, like half of like Chunking Express like at a point and I was like I'm not going to finish this mm. I was like I'm going to watch Chunking Express until they get to the the first needle drop of California Dreaming and then that'll do enough for me or I want to see <laughs> this scene from this movie yeah yeah um, so occasionally I'll do that yeah it's fun to rewatch just like a sometimes you just get like a chunk of something in your head and you're just like I'm just going to go watch that scene because I'm it's a great scene or whatever I watched the um, ending of After Sun like 15 times <laughs> <laughs> it's true and you watch that one scene for things oh, five yeah. times yeah I did <laughs> Um, so it was kind of interesting. I, I I ended up going through my my letterbox stats because my rewatch, like how I've approached rewatching stuff, has changed a lot. 
Yeah. Um, and it was just kind of vaguely interesting. But so when I first started logging on Letterboxd in 2019, I was rewatch. I rewatched so much more. And so in 2019, yeah. 40% of my watches were rewatches. Um, and that was a lot of like, I think just revisiting stuff that I had seen in the past. Like I haven't seen this in a while and now I'm like actually paying attention to, to film. And then it was also combined with just like, there was several movies that I would just watch over and over at the time. Yeah. Um, and then it's kind of dropped since. So in 2020, it was down to 30%. In 2021, it was 18%. Last year, it was only 13%. And this year, it's currently at 17 So I'm kind of up yeah. from last year. Um, which I think is kind of where I'm comfortable hovering around. It's kind of like every five or six watches, I'll throw in a rewatch. Maybe um, you're similar to what I've started doing. I feel like when I'm rewatching, it's because I'm watching it with somebody else to usually mm. like... I want to share it with them, or someone said to watch this. I'm like, yeah, I'll watch that again. I don't think I'm rewatching films by myself as much. Interesting. I, th- I think I'm kind of some of both. Like some things, I'm like, yeah, I want to show this to someone, and I'll be like, yeah, let's. Or like, if a friend of mine is like, oh, I've been meaning to watch that, I'm like, I will absolutely join you because I love yeah. that movie and I would totally watch it again or whatever. Things. Um, but I also do quite a bit of just rewatching on my own. Like sometimes it's just like late at night or whatever and i'm just kind of like i don't really like want to put something new on but it'd be great to like just watch like a comfort film or whatever and so there's definitely quite a bit of that so like particular films i revisit quite quite frequently definitely changes i would say i kind of cycle through like over the over the years like i'll have certain movies that i've got kind of in the in the rotation for rewatches but I think the social network has always been kind of my go-to rewatch. I will just like throw that on anytime and watch it and love it. I, w- I watched it back to back recently on, on Fincher's birthday, which I like to do sometimes when it's like a director's birthday, I'll watch the movie and then I watch it again yeah. with the, with the commentary, which is always That's fun. Nice. Um, I watch fallen angels a lot. Mm. Just another, another favorite of mine. I watched stop making sense a lot. Yeah. Um, I watched American utopia like, loads Oh yeah. So I first, just like, got it. Um, Babe too, a lot, and then of course um, The Young Girls of Rochefort has been in my rotation yeah. a lot recently just like one just like throw on and it's just still the greatest and then also Dazed and Confused just like great like, hangout vibes yeah. that's one I'll put on a lot um, but yeah that's kind of what's in the in the rotation yeah. recently but yeah I think it's good to have a fair amount of rewatches kind of in the rotation because it is good to revisit stuff and I think a lot, often outside of like those comfort rewatches that it's just like always on like to go back and revisit something you haven't seen in a while because you yeah. often, almost always, will get so much more out of it. Yeah, I need to, I, I need to be better at that. Um, so, now we got to cycle back. That is that yeah. is the end of our questions, but now we got to cycle back to the beginning of our questions where we were, we were cut off, and this will probably be a little bit weird, but we'll kind of... So where do we want to pick up? We kind of got cut off in the middle of Lorcan's email. Yeah, so Lorcan had said the Eva Green quote, and we may not have addressed that properly. Apologies. Sorry. Um, however, we will address the rest of your question. Okay, so let's pick up right at the, the end of these questions. So with that in mind, we're going back to Lorcan's email from earlier. Yeah. It's going to be kind of weird, but just yeah. so the listeners know. Just so with that in mind, I have a question for both of you. It's straightforward. And has maybe been submitted by someone else already, but it is. Can you nope. name I mean, the single? Earlier, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. Can you name the single best film you've watched for the first time in 2023? Yeah, um, either Blue Collar or Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, 
two great answers. Which I think is um, certified Disney. I mean, that Lilo and Stitch, I say not because I think, I mean, you know, it is everything as good as Blue Collar, but it's because I was like, oh, wow, this is the secret best Disney film that I had not seen. And that was that thing of like, why yeah. didn't I watch this 15, 20 years ago? Yeah, I really, really Lilo and Stitch. Why didn't so I grow up with this? This, is, this, is, this yeah. is the best of them. And Blue Collar is just like, oh, wow, this is just fresh, brilliant, amazing cinema. And Schrader, at his least, Schrader could not. Could not favorite again. <laughs> um, pull one out. And and I, I mean, it's kind of weird going over this again earlier, but like I, two answers for this one would be the the easy answer is Verkmeister Harmonies, which I saw in the theater and was just like, what an experience, what a movie, Stunning. just incredible filmmaking. But as far as like films that really really resonated with me and like my tastes, um, Gregor Aki's The Doom Generation I think is oh, I such a cool that. movie, so so good. Um, you love watch stuff like Riverdale, um, Dharma, Portrait of a Serial Killer. Did he work on Riverdale? Yeah, he works on Netflix. He huh. does. He he does the interesting. Just so disappointing. Um, you know, dude, get. I mean, dude, get worked to an extent, but that Dharma thing looks genuinely um, like a bad piece of media to exist in the world, um, mm. especially when the the families of the victims are like, please don't make this. So yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, Raki used to be such an, an important brilliant voice and now is in compromised productions that shouldn't exist yeah it's just it's such a bummer because like i i hate to i mean obviously there's there's a degree of responsibility but it's like i hate to like put the blame on on one person for working on one thing especially someone yeah. like that who yeah. is like clearly he is just like because i mean directors gotta you know pay the bills people yeah, think his, that, thing didn't you know, his thing has right. led underground success but did not pay the bills yeah it's just yeah he has a very specific style that has gained especially a cult following after but it's like that doesn't help him now and you gotta pay the bills and it's hard to get stuff funded when it's extremely you know avant-garde and weird like his style often is so it's a bummer because i want him to make more films but go insert sports team from riverdale here (laughs) um so then to continue can you name a second film that stands out maybe a film that wasn't a first viewing but stood out fresh as being great that you also watched in 2023 every time i watch cantor and house it gets better i watched it once three stars watched it the next day four stars watched it this year five stars to realize that some films need to simmer need to take their own terms when you know what it's doing Mm. much like things when you know what things is doing and you revisit things on its own terms things will unfurl its true self to you um also rewatching the celebration this year and realize that the celebration is a really special brilliant very very nasty film but mm. yeah gandron hess all of its things that was like not just works oh um actually stacks crossover jane campion's in the cut oh yeah watch that, that recently really cool movie it's it's awesome isn't it a movie yeah. that i watched the first time i thought i don't think this works but it's really interesting the second time i've been like yeah this totally works this is this is yeah. this is a really it's really good incisive insightful film yeah um, daring cool fascinating yeah really good movie um because nobody heard it i'm going to change my answer from earlier not that i disagree with it because it's also a good answer but just thinking about it since of because of what some of the stuff we talked about throughout this episode and i feel like when i rewatched sorcerer yes. recently following uh, freakin's passing i was just like this I is it sounded like i killed william freakin at that point <laughs> <laughs> I did not kill William Freakin. <laughs> um, 
I mean, I liked it the first time, but like watching it again, I was like, this is just like one of the best f- films. Like it is just. I told you insane. you'd say that. I told you you would say that. <laughs> You're right. You did. Um, but yeah, just like the tension in that movie is just like nothing else. It's just the yeah. score is phenomenal. Just like incredible filmmaking. Yeah. Just wild stuff. And that's like watching that and like <laughs> just like the difference between how things are made now and like watching some of those old 70s films that you're just like they just kind of did whatever and it was just absolutely crazy mm-hmm. not that it was like a good thing to do yeah. but when you watch it you're just like wow i mean i watched it's a mad 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 world whatever recently i don't think it's like it's a great movie and i watched the shorter version thank god it was already very 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 long um <laughs> but there is that sense in there of like you're watching this type of cinematic grandiosity that you literally couldn't do now right because they had to make it that way because that was the way to make it whereas now you're like well obviously we're going to use the effects energy for this the only reason certain things were done in this like large massive set practical sense right that was the only way of doing it so that's what happened so the to to allude to babylon where you know it's it's the technology that underpins yeah. cinema that, that pushes what cinema actually does which is the most perceptive point in that film which is overlooked hugely the film's absolutely awesome um, these films in the 70s are so great because that was the only way it could be done right. therefore they got a way of doing it and now yeah. the executives are like well you can there is a cheaper way of doing this there is right. a, a, a proper way of doing this um, you can say that about and that. it's like yeah it's like no matter how good you can make it look it's like there is still just kind of an intangible difference of like mm-hmm. that something when something is actually like palpably there there's just a sense that comes through cinematically that i think you you can't recreate that that's like buster so keys like, and stuff like it's it's, right. it's it's the general which is not a thing that i love but the trade in the general that look right the, the, the stunts in there look better than anything um because of course they do because he is <laughs> right exactly his own life repeatedly the whole time um bad but that's that's the way right. it has to be done to see that yeah exactly um so my own answer to the first would be Fastbinders veronica voss I did see that. Absolutely. That's yeah, fine. I haven't seen that either, but yeah, Fastbinder's phenomenal director. To the second, I would say do the right thing, but if that doesn't really require... If that doesn't really require further spotlighting, I'd say dry I reckon it doesn't require further spotlighting because I think um, the Stacks podcast episode, Do the Right Thing, was all the spotlight that film needed. And listener, you should listen to that. All right, there you go. Everyone go check out the Stacks episode on Do the Right Thing. Okay, guys, thank you again. Take care, Lorcan. Thank you so much for the email, Lorcan. Yeah. Thank you for all of your correspondence throughout the episode. In all sincerity, Lorcan, um, your first email was a really great moment of, obviously we love that our friends listen to this, and that yeah. means a lot to us. Absolutely. But it was also really cool to get an email from someone being like, I don't know who you are. And that's yeah, just really genuine cool discovery. That you, that, yeah. that you listen to this, that you don't know us, and yet still you listen. Because I know that we've got friends that don't listen because it's not for them. That's great. Whatever. Don't really mind. Um, and it's great we've got friends that do listen that really like it but it's really a different kind of call that someone we don't know listens enjoys and feels like a part of the show and, and dedicated and that's that means so much yeah to yeah i mean the genuine discovery is so cool and not just the genuine discovery but that you enjoyed it enough to continue yeah. listening all the way through the end of season one here yeah um, really meaningful just really yes. speaks to it's like it's sometimes it is hard because it's like yeah you got friends that listen which of course yeah. i appreciate but that anyone else is actually listening to it and appreciating it is means a lot. So, now, the question that was completely erased from the memory of this podcast. Yes. 
a very long question <laughs> that took us a really, long time really to get through. Really good one, though. Really, really good. But it is a really good question. Yeah. We, we so got Jermaine's question, didn't we? We got Jermaine's doing. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, so, hello, Stephen and Vaughn. Only Hi. until two months ago, I had been unknowingly deprived of your wonderful show. Ever since, I listen to you guys quite regularly to great pleasure. I have two questions for I'm you sorry, both. there's not much more coming, but you can listen to other Twin <laughs> Productions, and I would recommend the yes. stacks, personally. Yes, you can find Steve in other places. You can find both of us in, in many other places. Um, all worth listening to. So number one, do you two aspire to the eventual making of your own films? Um, yes and no. Um, no, because I know that realistically, I mean, <laughs> I've made a variety of life decisions over time. <laughs> that means that's just not really going to happen. Um, and I could have been more proactive to make that happen. I've always liked unpicking stuff more than I've liked creating stuff, which is probably mm. a really negative thing about me. Uh, probably says a lot about me as a person. <laughs> that's probably not good or healthy. Um, but I have always liked making things. And I loved... I, I did a lot of writing at school. I used to, like, write things like in drama class i'd like write the play that we'd do so i've always yeah. liked creating and writing and i i would like every dude of a certain age would love to write a screenplay i just don't have the the idea to merit it mm. um i think i could see myself later with a group of friends making a short film and i'd love to do that but fundamentally as i said the first time i asked this question I'm much more interested in working with a group of people and making a cool thing because that's how, and the films that we've gravitated to like things for example of like and like the Moten films have been like it's more about the collaborative approach it's like I I bet you if Jack lived closer to me we would have made something like that right. at this point uh, because I think our sensibilities work really nicely together and, and Jack's got more practical skills I'm just I don't I have a lot of theoretical skills but I'm kind of like practically useless um, which yeah but, that's fair I feel like I I would like to take the directorial role on something and, and, and shape a vision. I, I think I could I could do something and I'd like to. I do feel like I'd have an itch. I'd like to get out at some point, but only in yeah. a very amateurish scale, nothing right. massive. Yeah, I, I think I, I get this, similar to this question I get a lot from my family because they learn about me writing about films and yeah. I think the immediate thing is which it's it's always the same thing. I don't get a lot of like, would you want to direct a film? It's like always, have you ever thought about writing a screenplay? And the answer to that is always, no, I haven't. I'm not really that interested in in writing a screenplay. Um, kind of similar to you, like when I was younger, I was did a lot of more of like creative writing and stuff, yeah. which was always like a thing I loved. Um, but as far as like writing an actual screenplay for a film, I don't think I'm that interested in. Um, like if I had some genuine inspiration and an idea that i felt like i had to get down for a story then i would probably do that but mm. i think if i was to do something with a film i would be much more interested in directing i think yeah. um i think like when i was younger i used to do a lot of like looking back on it i'm like that's kind of what i was doing just like i would always make little goofy home movies with friends and, yeah, and my yeah. brother and stuff and i'd like do stuff like family like like once visit with grandparents would like put together these like videos of the trip most of, like that were compilations of of still pictures and stuff but still i used to like to take the materials and turn it transformatively into something yeah um, yeah so it's like in retrospect i'm like yeah i kind of had that director itch early on but yeah, it's not something that I'm like actively aspiring to. I'm not like, oh, I really need to. That's something I got to do at my at some point in my life. But mm. if there was an opportunity, yeah, same thing. If I had friends that were interested in working on something like that, then yeah, I would love to to do something yeah. like that. But not an active interest. Yeah. 
if you live near then, me, if you live in Yorkshire and you want to make a short film, <laughs> hit me up. There you go. We'll keep checking the email, thinking of spoiling at gmail. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I will. If someone decides to email at any point, I will. I will see it. And then number two for this question. So right now I'm in my junior year of high school in America. I'm a severe lover of cinema and wish to introduce my peers to works which mm. I quite enjoy. What films would you two recommend that I recommend to them? Such so a far, question. it is a great question. So far, my personal list reads: Jacques, nineteen nineteen; Brazil, nineteen eighty five; Network, nineteen seventy six; Tampopo, nineteen eighty five; Funny <laughs> Games. <laughs> oh, I, sorry for laughing. Um, Tampopo and Funny Games are two absolutely essential movies. They are absolutely brilliant. Um, funny Games more so um, for me. I think both are brilliant. Love that you love them. You've got. From this list, you have exceptional taste in film. Um, there so is, much yeah, better than when list. I was your age. Jesus Christ. <laughs> which speaks to the availability of film nowadays, which is, which is so mm, important. It's true. Um, but, my friend, you cannot just give someone Tampopo. They will think you're weird and they will not watch other films <laughs> from you. They're not ready for that yet. Build them up Tampopo. Give them like a Godzilla or something first. Like, if you want to, like, the idea of films with subtitles is too much. Sunnable. Um And also Tampopo, the, the idea that it's the ramen western. You've got to have, you've got to have watched a western, first of all. Um, mm. I think that really adds to it, and also yeah, the true. kind of like new waveish structure of Tampopo. Get your head around like the Japanese new wave a little bit to get right. like that of it. And that's so additive. Funny games, um, funny games. When I first watched it, I hated it, and they would probably hate it too, because um, it's abrasive and nasty. But you need yeah, to is. one have more of a a grasp on the kind of films that it is taking on. So of extreme cinema of which. Haneke can be yeah. a part of. Also, Funny Games works the best if you've seen other Haneke films and you know what kind of films he makes because right. it's ideologically driven. And this may be a critique of the film, I don't think it is, but the more I watched his films, the more I realised what he was trying to do with Funny Games and that allowed yeah. me to see it in its proper light and see it for the brilliant film that it is. So start with Seventh Continent, go through Benny's video and Chronology of Chance, etc. Don't don't just go straight. It's so tempting to go, yes, watch Funny Games. But they'd be like, that was upsetting, I didn't like it. And I'm like, yeah, you didn't. Sorry. Yeah, it reminded me of Jermaine, um, our friend Jermaine, who wrote in earlier, like, he tried to watch Funny Games and I think he put it down for several months before he ended up going yeah. back and actually watching the whole thing because it is, it is a deeply uncomfortable film. Mm. And I think if you showed that to someone who is not like, already invested in film as a medium then they would probably just be like this is really brutal and uncomfortable because well, it is and it's it's intentionally so but well, you gotta be actually ready that reminds it. me because friend of the show and friend of us all calvin when he watched funny games made that that piffy comment and says being like well this is very funny is it and i was you know i'm a dick but i'm like actually it is <laughs> funny games is very very is. funny but it's only funny the second time you watch it mm. and you can like oh there is so much great humor in this and so yeah the, the Funny Games is an a, a astonishing film. Don't recommend it. Don't, don't, don't. Don't recommend people. Don't just say, yeah. oh, you don't watch films. Yeah, it's kind of Funny Games. <laughs> it's kind of double-edged of like, it's very cool that you're into it and you appreciate it because oh, yeah. it is phenomenal. Incredible movie. But yeah, I wouldn't show that to uh, to high school friends probably. Um, to continue the list, The Celebration, 1998, which I can <laughs> kind of, we mentioned earlier, but this kind of fell, fell in the same camp for yeah, you. Yeah, Fast and the Celebration. I think The Celebration needs like, criterion Context. notes of what the dogma mm. movement is why that's important why it's filmed this way and yes there's like a succession analog of like if you like succession there's kind of like rich people bickering even that rich all of them but there's other of like contained bickering i could understand but 
Feston's place in the cinema and why it matters and why it's important is is so enlivened. And anything that is part of any various new wave of movement relies on you knowing what's being broken down beforehand. And right. it's it's a use a very easy metaphor. You can't just hit notes on a piano and that's improvisation. Mm. You need to learn the scales first and then you can play of those scales and break those scales and you need to know what the key is before you can play out of key and know that that works. Yep. So don't just watch Feston. You need to have watched a normally made family chamber drama and be aware of what cinematic storytelling is and what visual language. Because the more you watch film, the more you realise there is a language of film that's been built up over yeah. time. Um, I watched the Werner Herzog documentary um, Hey Forgotten Dreams this week on his mm. birthday at the High Park Pitch House in Leeds, my favourite cinema in the world. Cool. I sat in my own seat and I watched that movie. Oh, that's awesome. It's a wonderful film, apart from a couple of bits that are deep dramatic, but it's mostly really, really great. 2010 documentary about some stuff. Werner Herzog, Werner Herzog just likes to talk, and I love what he says. Again, you said things like, Werner Herzog, that's a bad thing to say. Yeah, um, well, but, <laughs> it's kind of been a constant through his career, huh? <laughs> yeah. And I'm forgetting why I was bringing this up. What was I saying at the beginning? What was I linking this to? I don't know. Something about the celebration. Oh, yeah. Um, so there's a bit in that film where someone remakes a Neolithic wind instrument. So like a, mm. a pipe with like three notes, like five notes. And he notes, notes that the notes are in tune of a pentatonic scale. And that's so cool of the... Before we knew right. musical theory, we yeah. we realized there are certain notes that sound right together. There are some like music is hardwired yeah. into us in a way. There are actually rules, and cinema, despite it being a human invention, and playing music is a human invention, has a language that we recognize and can attune to. And the more you watch, the mm-hmm. more you become fluent in that. And that's why Festen or celebration is, is is so important because it's so disruptive to that. And yeah, you can get it as a fun, grimy weird spoilers incest movie Vaughn have you seen the celebration <laughs> no um, I haven't never mind um, so yeah you can enjoy it in those terms but it's much more important as a this is breaking and going away from things yeah. and what why dogma is important yeah good answer um, that wasn't a question I guess but it was I mean good good divergence <laughs> from the list <laughs> um, to continue Beauty and the Beast 1946 Irma Vep 1996 Beauty and the Beast is a really, really good choice. I think mm. Irma Vep falls into yeah, that kind of the same thing. conversation. Yeah. Irma Vep is very specifically like a, a breakdown of like that French New Wave stuff <laughs> yeah, and the response to like, it. Yo, my dudes, have you watched right. the serial La Vampire? Because this is really tearing <laughs> right. that apart. And I'm like, yes, I have, personally. But Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it is a, a, a very directly a meta film about like the film industry. And, yeah. and if you're not like aware, at least to some degree, I think it's it's hard to... Would be hard to appreciate her, with it, which want, is one of my favorite films. You was watching of it to be the right watch of it because yeah. y- you only get like one real first watch. And we've said that revisiting films can be important, but you want to be primed to get the most out of it because realistically, right. you're not going to watch it again. And when you try to introduce someone, you don't want them to be like, oh, I, didn't, "I didn't get it," and what the hell was that about? Right. So, start. It's not. It's not film one hundred and one. It's film advanced. I would agree with that. And then Orlando, 1992, and Listomania, 1975. Not to Listomania, that sounds cool as hell, um, but I really want to. Orlando, I think, is a really good choice, though. Mm. I love it. I haven't seen Orlando, but I've been meaning to watch it. It's, it's wonderful. Um, so then finally, P.S., I really appreciate your show and delightful personalities, which I find 
well relatable and nourishing whenever i am down on my esteems so thank you kindly and i hope i haven't taken up too much of your time no this is like a really doing this really great email not not too much of our time yeah (laughs) it's absolutely and give us esteems up you have an astonishing film taste yeah you write a damn good question absolutely so then i said so i was when I get these emails, I often send the questions to Stephen if I feel like he needs to yeah. prepare prepare an answer. So I sent this over to Stephen, and very quickly he was like, "I've got a list of twenty films." And I went, <laughs> "That is a lot of films, but it's also probably what I should have expected from Stephen." Um, so then I went, "All right, well then I gotta I gotta match that um, because I hadn't prepared anything yet." So I said, yeah. "All right, I'm gonna make my own list of twenty films." Um, so you want to? I'll go through my list, and then we'll go yeah. through Stephen's list. We have some crossovers. We do have some crossovers, which we know already, but. You can't hear it. Um, so here's my list, um, starting with Lan, 1995. Um, great, great Joseph Lan is such a great movie. I should have put it on mine. And it's a great international cinema. Is cool. I remember watching yeah. that in French class and being like, whoa, this is gritty and interesting and, and speaks to yeah. the youth experience, foreign language films, um, any, uh, everything that, that English and American cinema is. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, that was, I, I guess I didn't get into kind of my, my rationale, but I was kind of trying to get a I mean, obviously it can't be comprehensive because it's only 20 films but stuff yeah. that is accessible to an audience that is newer to films but still yeah. is able to to showcase what film is capable of and what you can get out of film um yeah. and, and is definitely just one of the best i mean see one of the best dolly zooms of all time <laughs> in that movie <laughs> um so that's kind of my, my rationale for going through these um so then i uh, went for chunking express next which i think cool. is probably like the Probably the best intro to Wong Kar Wai, um, I think, especially for that kind of age group, high school. Like, it's just such yeah. a cool, breezy movie. Speaking of that, I'm kind of gutted I didn't pick a Wes Anderson film on my list because I think that maybe I should. Yeah, have... maybe it was for a different question that I was thinking about putting a Wes Anderson movie. I've gone through so many movies, but all these like questions. A, a rush, um, but yeah, or that would have been Moonrise, yeah. or Moonrise Kingdom, maybe would be. A... I guess some bonus answers for this question, I guess. Um, but Wes Anderson would be very good. A lot of mine are, are kind of like the the accessible classics to kind of be able to yeah, to show people really like awesome. because I think especially in in I know this hasn't been prevalent in all times, but I think especially um, younger people tend to. And I'm not saying I'm not guilty; haven't been guilty of this in the past myself. But it's easy to go like I'm not interested in quote unquote old cinema or older stuff. Um, yeah, it's not my favorite channel movie, certainly. <laughs> well, it's terrible um, but <laughs> I mean as um, you know Shyamalan is a great filmmaker well let's start that up again um, but I do think it is important like if you are going to get friends of yours into cinema like here is classic films that are also like very fun to watch and very accessible which is kind of my approach for this list um, hey friends let's watch Trash Humpers oh what I don't have any friends anymore oh no <laughs> So the next on my list is Amadeus, which is such an awesome such movie. Such a think, good choice. I think just got announced it's getting a, a new 4K restoration coming out. Um, good. Needs more case. Blu-ray, which hopefully they're releasing the uh, theatrical cut as well. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, anyway, to continue. And then I've got two Quran films because he's just a phenomenal filmmaker. But Itu Mama Tambien and Children of Men, both phenomenal movies. Very different um, kinds of yeah. films, but both very worthwhile. Um, Mononcle. Um, Jacques Tati, one rest. Yeah, Singing in the Rain. I can't imagine anybody not liking Singing in the Rain. So I almost included that. Reason I didn't is because some people are just so anti-musicals theoretically. 
um, that they just won't yeah. watch them at school. Um, and I just don't want to have that conversation sometimes. But yeah, just singing in the rain, just make, make them watch it and they will actually really like it. And I think I kind of feel the same way of like, I probably was, I was very anti-musical in, in my yeah, high school years. Um, and so I, I thought about a couple others that I would have put on here. Like, I we all know how much I love uh, Demi and Rochefort, but I was like, I think if you're going to put a musical on the list, I think Singing in the Rain is probably yeah, like I agree. the most like accessible and fun. It's not all cats, but yeah. <laughs> you're right it's not um and then the movie i i was briefly discussing earlier sorcerer um mm. friedkin is just such an incredible director um, which i would just note i though sorcerer is brilliant i think that specific 70s pacing um which, which some of the other 70s wrecks don't have and six Rex don't have but i think that, that, that it can be a bit i think it's all great but that film spends mm. a lot of time getting dirty with character before it's yeah, out there with the action stuff you're like why are we here why are we in this place why are we at a bar why are we at some parking lot um it, it takes its time it pays off for it but it takes its time yeah i guess exorcist is kind of the easy freed can pick for like high school like you know everyone's watching well, live like, and die in LA, horror maybe. but live and die in la is also a great one great suggestion i should rewatch that um, great movie killer joe mess him up <laughs> I don't think Killer Joe's that good. I was not a, no. not a huge fan. That's yeah, not great, is it? Um, um, and that chicken bit's not not good. That's oh god, weird movie. Um, it's no. And bug. then Bug's great. I need to watch Bug. Lost my train of thought. Um, a movie that pe- some people might watch in like actually in class in high school. I think I did at one point, but um, Twelve Angry Men is still just yes. one of the best movies ever. It is it yeah. is an, a phenomenal film. Speaking and I of think freaking movies. Very, that's true. He did remake it. Um, don't watch the. Well, actually, maybe the freaking version is great. But, it's fine. Uh, watch the Sydney Lumet. Yeah, the freaking version is only interesting if you watch the Lumet version. Mm. The Lumet version itself being a um, remake of a teleplay of a made for That's TV. True, yeah. um, so they are. Yeah, but Lumet's are. really one of the great filmmakers. If you're interested in film, I think mm. his book "Making Movies" is incredible. Really, I think really and network. Yeah. Um, Mention on your list, is which is in their list. Yeah. Uh, Some Like It Hot, phenomenal movie. I think just like another like great accessible film that is hilarious. Um, I think anyone would enjoy. Can't imagine not like same thing. Can't imagine not liking. I mean, nobody's perfect, but (laughs) yeah. Like going back to a different question. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There you go. And what's up, Doc? Has written too. Oh man, so many options. Um, And then got to go with Blowout because Love De Palma. I think Blowout's such a great example of just employing like all the cinematic technique that you possibly can in one movie, and it's just oh, I love Blowout so much. One and then, of my you favorites. Blow, then you can watch Blow Up. I mean, and you should watch Blow Up, but I think if you're showing it to high school kids, <laughs> no. Blow Up is <laughs> they might not get the the nuance of the of I mean, Blow Up. I, I barely get the nuance of Blow Up. I'll be honest. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of people. A lot of our friends even are not fans of Blow Up. It's uh, no, 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 no. Some people just don't get into it, which I, I totally understand. It is yeah. it's a very specific. They don't need to blow up their spot, but you know. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, Got to go for a couple man movies. So Thief and Collateral are both just like cool as hell slick yeah. stylish movies that i think last yeah. was the first michael man movie i watched i watched on tv it was just like i know who tom cruise is and i was like this movie is cool oh, yeah. such a good movie another one that's been a while since i've watched collateral mm, um the red shoes um which 
I don't know if it's still in the episode and we mentioned it earlier, but <laughs> I've lost track of what's in the episode and what's not. Um, but the red shoes is just, yeah. yeah one of the best movies. Um, the conversation, another great movie, which my goes favorite, along with, my the, favorite with the blowout. Yeah. Just such I mean, a cool movie. Of, of all Coppola's, I would say. That's, no wait, vampires. That's it. <laughs> I need to see that. <laughs> also, that's a lie. I don't like Vampires <laughs> more. I do like Vampires a lot. Um, um, yeah, but the conversation rules. Great, great movie. Um, Rafifi, like one of the early, early heist movie, just so cool. Um, yeah. Again, like another like real stylish, cool movie. But like another one, like the the classics are classics for a reason, and uh, Rafifi's awesome. Yeah. Um, F for Fake is another just one of the best. Almost included um, that because that is. You know, video essays are hot right now, and that is just Orson Welles dicking around and inventing the video essay. So, yeah, I think. I mean, as I had, I had mentioned in in my answer for um, Murph's question, like Ever Fake, I think changes a lot of changed a lot of my perspective on like how to view film, and it's just like mm-hmm. it is such a cool magic trick of a film, and it's so cool to watch every time. And I think, I think accessible <laughs> i don't know maybe people that are not super into film wouldn't well, uh, quite people connect to like it, but... to use like citizen kane as a superlative it was like mm. noir is a citizen kane i would say f of fake is the citizen kane of awesome world films <laughs> i like i like f of fake a lot more than i like citizen kane yeah, no, not that citizen it's, kane it's, is bad but no but, yeah. i would say yeah f of fake is his, is his citizen kane it's like his his crowning achievement yeah i agree um gotta go with some carpenter they live is mm-hmm. still just like one of the best i think learn that line is from they live as opposed to the it crowd the thing that i love <laughs> it's true um i just it was I, I just saw they live in theaters this last week it's just, just like awesome just the best um and this was kind of a random shout but i just was going through some some of my movies that i love a lot and uh, i think run lola run is really cool um just a great movie I mean, not necessarily not, like a classic that everyone should watch but i think it's cool it's better than sliding doors and not as good as blind chance so okay of the <laughs> three go. films that have the same the three films with the same okay. premise <laughs> um blind and then my final one uh guillermo del toro's the devil's backbone which rules it does rule i mean we'll go for pan as a recommendation over that but yeah i don't know i can't i don't even know what made me like choose the devil's backbone over pans because i love pans a lot um yeah. i mean i love del toro as a filmmaker but um i don't know devil's backbone is just a cool different pick so hey cool know, kids you want to stand at a junior high and be that cool kid in class <laughs> you know you do here are the movies you've got to watch just come out as cool and you go oh i've seen this first of all american psycho oh it's an r-rated movie lots of guts and gore maybe some nudity you'll be cool it's about killing has subtext as well don't need to worry about that when you're older you can get all that subtext maybe you get it now you feel good for getting subtext and you feel good for getting your thing later your workout is directed by a woman and that's pretty cool as well so mary harron's american psycho cool ass movie feel cool True crime's a big thing nowadays. Procedurals, TV miniseries about this thing. Zodiac, pretend it's... Watch it in three episodes. Pretend it's a Netflix series. Really slick, really amazing, really deconstructive. I can't imagine the modern generation's media habits not... I think Zodiac has had a really big revitalization. Oh, yeah, definitely. It didn't hit huge when it came out, and now it's seen as his best by a lot of people. Zodiac's so good, yeah. I think it's my favorite Fincher film. Um, Ooh, it's, mm. it's, it's tough. A lot of great. Actually, no, Social Network. Social Network would be, and then, and then, and then Zodiac. Um, Heat. 
Again, watch it in three episodes. But you like that one good scene from The Dark Knight? Yeah, you do. It's better in Heat. Um, Heat is on Heat, if you know what I mean. All the way through. Man, is this a good movie. All the Heat (laughs) puns you can handle. Um, Yeah, it's got quotable stuff. um, Great ass all the way up it. Whatever, I forget that line. (laughs) Um, Perfect. De Niro, Pacino facing off. And you'll look cool for seeing Heat. Now, the ultimate dorm room poster now i'm not gonna say pulp fiction i didn't say watch pulp fiction you know what watch reservoir dogs instead but instead the actual choice is taxi driver taxi mm. driver really movie. really interesting i need to watch it again i've not i've not watched it since i was 18 myself um it's got layers um kids like things with layers i know that for their shrek watching um but <laughs> poor shrek for a second and watch taxi driver instead is it problematic? You can talk about that. You can talk about, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. Unpick it in that way. Um, but is a cool, dark, weird thing that you feel good about watched. Um, foreign people make movies too. Though to be fair... It's true. To be fair, you may not know this, but Martin Scorsese is foreign to me. So that was also a foreign film. In fact, all of these films are foreign films because I <laughs> <Okay>. am British. <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. I'm not picked a single British film here. So this is all international cinema. Um, so, um, Kieslowski, Polish film, a short film about killing the mm. film that was instrumental in getting the death penalty revoked in Poland. Mm. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, it's a film about killing. It's short. It's taut. It's nasty. Watch it. Do you know what else is taut and nasty? Psycho. Um, Psycho's a really... It is. It is both. <laughs> that's just the way you phrased that. was just... <laughs> Psycho is, is is a classic for a reason. Really great suspense movie. You go back and watch it and you go, man, this is from six, 19... Is, is it 1960? I think so. Sounds right. I'm going to say it is. It is. Damn right. Um, same year as Peeping Tom, I believe. Peeping Tom, the better movie, as we all know, but Psycho, the one to watch first. Um, yeah, the ending is bad. Um, the rest of it's great. So, Angry Men, you won't believe how many Angry Men they can fit in here. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Um, the Merry Frolics of Satan by Georges Melier. Put it on the background and go, look, this was made in 1906. Blow their mind. Also that's, watch... That's a great, great one. The troubling, Four Troubling Heads, Troubling Heads and um, The Race of the Sausage, which is not a Melier's <laughs> film, but it's just, just, it's just the greatest thing. It's just so good. <laughs> yeah, um, a good movie. Chaplin, you'll love him. Don't watch it with your friends because then you'll feel like you're uncool but tell your friends to go home and watch them by themselves city lights and they'll be like oh it was funny i laughed i cried mon oncle again is the yep. mr bean of its time but even really better is. even even cleverer even more brilliant and mr bean is, is brilliant it's a shame that atkinson is, a, is a turned out to be a dick um it is in french you can watch it with no subtitles and still laugh all the way through definitely Something like it hot brilliant um What's Up Doc, the Bogdanovich film. Mm. Chaotic, screwball, wild energy that Gen Z is going to love. Um, you've got Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand there in the centre of it. Great ending, great movie. Wildness. Now, it invented the blockbuster. Dun, dun, dun. Jaws. <laughs> Jaws the shark, to quote Pete Show. Yeah. Jaws the shark from the film Jaws. Um, cool. You think you've seen it? But watch it properly. It's great. Is it about adultery or is it about a shark? Join the conversation by watching Jaws. Half man, half machine, all cop, great movie. Robocop, great one. people explode. Man gets shot at the penis. Someone punches through a wall. Other things happen in the movie. All of them are absolutely great. 
robot goes bad, kills some cops. Does it go bad in that way? You can have that discussion. True. Was it actually following its instructions by getting a corrupt <laughs> law enforcement? I don't know. Someone says bitches leave at one point. A bad thing to say. A funny line to see in a movie. Robocop. <laughs> such a good one. Great. Uh, it's just, it's it's fun. It's cool. It's great. Um, Die Hard will go down with your friends because it's a fun action movie. Those last three are for me of like, they're action-y fun stuff. They show why motion pictures, why film is a medium that works of the contained yeah. length to get that story going of this is not a TV series. This is not episodic. This is, you've got two hours or so, maybe less than, and this in this time, we're going to show you something really, really cool. Um, link to that, Mad Max Fury Road will blow their little minds. Um, want to get a bit foreign, yeah. though I would argue all of these are foreign, but even more foreign to get <laughs> problematic. Akira um, <laughs> yo, Jimbo. <laughs> if you've got a friend called Jimbo, you can say yo, Jimbo to them and have that as your it's greeting. True. Someone's arm gets chopped off, dog carries it, I think, their hand. Totally rules. Toshiro Mifune, is there anyone better? I don't think there is. Um, is also just hilarious. Like, it's a funny movie. Mm. It's such a great one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Westerns, you think they're terribly uncool. Many of them are. Have you watched High Noon? Watch that. Vaughn hasn't seen it, I'm guessing. Um, nope. Watch High Noon. Really cool, really tense, interesting, pretty short movie. Um, and it shows that there is a fertile space in Westerns to be... And I generally would also recommend The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Um but I included a Jimbo, so I wasn't going to include one of those mm, um, because you know, enough. Um, <laughs> though a few dollars more is my favourite of the trilogy, and okay. my favourite Lee any Western is Once Upon a Time in the West. But Ooh. watch the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, last two, long form okay. documentary is hot right now. People love it. Therefore, yeah. watch Hoop Dreams. It's it's that. It's the progenitor. It is this amazing portrait of two black teens from different socioeconomic backgrounds that have a basketball scholarship and what happens to them. There's this great portrait of the vicissitudes of America. There, for the grace of God, go I. The black experience, the teenage experience, sport and economics, the college system, the school, school system, great microcosmic anthropological um, storytelling, mm. a huge, brilliant cultural study. It's, it's an astonishing work. And finally, true crime is the bane of our day. Reconstructions, there's some bad stuff there. It maybe all started with Errol Morris's The Thin Blue Line. Still very much worth watching, and I think you get a kick out of it. A bit hokey in parts, the recreations now look a little bit silly. Um, but it's it's cool it's interesting it's different and it is definitively a filmic documentary mm. that shows what film can do in that space that other mediums cannot um, I don't know Shower 21 Shower <laughs> they can't say it's bad it's Shower well yeah I mean you, you make a good point well yeah and if oh, that well, fails go. That's... one <laughs> perfect film for high school <laughs> Um, that's I don't know how many that is with our overlaps thirty five films or something yeah, Rushmore, like that. Why not? You're 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 in um, school. Watch Rushmore. But there's a bunch of movies to yeah. recommend to your friends if they are not into cinema. I feel like that even works for you know all ages. We're talking about high school specifically in response to this question. But I think if you want to show anyone yeah. movies that are are fantastic, but you know people that are are not maybe super <laughs> into cinema, attend Vaughn's nine year old cinema class. <laughs> No, no, not that, not that list. <laughs> um, but these, I think, are, are good for anyone to get yeah. into to what movies can be. Yeah. So that is all of our questions for today. Thank you so much to everybody who wrote in. Mm. 
We Thank really you appreciate so much. it. We do. Um, and not even just this episode, but anyone who has written in throughout the course of the show um, yeah. really means a lot. It's like one of the best things that I think we did with this show was was be able yeah. to engage with the listeners and it's been such a pleasure to answer everyone's questions and to engage with everyone um listening um even though i answered that question that way earlier i do appreciate that no one was angry <laughs> and mean to us yeah. <laughs> um but yeah i mean and also just just thank you everyone so much yeah. for for listening i mean it's it's been so much fun making this show for the past nearly two years which yeah. is kind of crazy to think about yeah it has been um fun. Um, you can still find us in places of the stacks will continue probably not at the pace that it was but you know um there will still be some more stack stuff from me um you can read yeah. loads of stuff from vaughn on the twingeeks.com um you'll get some critical consideration from him around christmas time um with calvin again i'm, I'm presuming but that, that yeah. would be great to get back. lots of stuff so yeah find oh. it from letterboxd um links in the show description i'm sure um twitters blue sky never mind threads existed barely yeah don't don't find us there <laughs> yeah we're everywhere um and i'll briefly so i mean if you are checking out the twingeeks.com i will yeah. go ahead and announce now um because it'll be coming up soon um we are going to do another so if you were reading the site last year we had the whole everyone on the site and a lot of guests did um posted our, our tg10 list which was kind of our response to sight and sound um we did our, our top tens had a bunch of people write in for that and ooh, steven's giving me a preview of what we're going to do this year throughout my the... top 10 one of these needs to go <laughs> i also have 11 <laughs> i also have 11 in my list right now but yeah we're going to do throughout the month of october we're going to do a run of everyone's top 10 horror films so keep an eye out for that. We're going to have a bunch of lists from um, site staff um, and a bunch of, hopefully, some fun guests as well. So keep an eye out for that. We're going to have a bunch of fun horror stuff going on throughout October. It's a scream. So be sure to keep an eye on the twingeeks.com. And then, like Stephen said, find us on Letterboxd, Twitter, yeah. Blue Sky, we're everywhere. Yeah. Um, those will all be in the description of the episode. And don't um, Stephen, unsubscribe. Before... Don't unsubscribe. Let the podcast just appear to you joyfully yes. one day. Yes, we will return at some yeah, point. James Bond uh, will return. You have experienced yes. this podcast. And you experience it again. <laughs> the spoilers will return. <laughs> in, um, oh. and you know we, we in. might come for an, for an ad. I think the thing we we cannot keep up the bi-weekly schedule. Yeah, definitively not. We may at some point in the next few months come for an ad hoc. Oh crap! We both managed to see this thing. Blah blah blah. So there may be like a feed drop, but it yeah, will not so, I be mean, the the regular schedule. Yeah, it's a good good thing to say. So we have definitely, we are ceasing our um, expected, like our, our bi-weekly schedule yeah. um, for season one. It'll be, we'll just kind of leave it until we can get back into a, an actual swing of things for season two. But yeah, if we have the time and the chance to uh, record something, we of course love talking to each other about movies. So uh, True. we might show up if, uh, if we can. So keep an eye out. Definitely say sub stay subscribed. We will be back in some form or another. Anything else, Stephen? You have experienced. You have spoiling things. <laughs> you have experienced. I'm thinking of spoiling things. Well, everybody, we will be back at some undetermined point. We will be back again we'll on your feeds. We will meet again. Don't know <laughs> Speaking of great endings, Doctor Strangelove. Don't know when. Don't know when. <laughs> Perfect. No, that was great. That was a beautiful send off. 
Um, so thank you everyone for listening to season one of the show. For now, Stephen, I'm thinking of ending this podcast. And then it's the bloopers, right? Then. It's the bloopers. The bloopers? Yeah. <laughs>